I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Stand by for a brand new episode of All Things Good and Nerdy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 472 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. This is recorded live on Sunday, January 2nd, 2022. We have made it to a new year, and I, for one, hope it is less shitty than the last two years. I am Chris. Joining me today, the usual band of uh, misfits, let's put it that way. We'll start first, Mr. Anthony Bachman. Sir, I'm a malcontent. That's fair. I mean, that's fair. I get it. <laughs> also joining us, uh, we've called him Captain Spaulding before, but he's also known as Mr. Willie Nelson, but not that Willie Nelson. For those on audio, he took his Mountain Dew can and ripped it open. It was a display of strength that no one got to see because we were in the pre-show. Oh, he's doing it again. <laughs> oh, this one just pulled right apart. Willie Smash. Willie Smash. You put Willie on his steroids, he turns into the Incredible Hulk. He's the Incredible Hulk, <gasps> ladies and gentlemen. Mister. Oh, no. thought he was the Incredible Bulk. No. Did you just spill on yourself? No, my, my I just got these awesome pajama pants. The Friday the 13th with like a bunch of hockey masks on them. And there's uh, the seams separated. What's an easy Oh, fix? no. Oh, it's a seam yeah. right in my thigh, middle of my thigh. Oh, he needs yeah, a needle like, in the On thigh. the outside. Yeah. Flip it inside out and re-thread that seam. That's easy. All right, Eve 6. Turn it inside out, find faith in nothing. No. If we're getting a DMCA... Wait, wait. If we're getting a DMCA takedown notice on this show, it better not be for Eve 6. (laughs) Bring it. I knew that off the top of my head, though. Bring it, Eve 6. If this is what takes us down, is that you sang a few lyrics from Eve (laughs) 6. It's just not worth it. There's There's much better songs for us to get taken out on. Uh, all right, let me think of some and start singing them. No, <laughs> oh, here we go. This is when Willie hey, comes up. A good reason for it. This so is when Willie's gonna for that. Say it's for this. Willie's gonna troll me more and do like Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba or some nonsense like that. Hey, hey, you may <laughs> knock me down. I'm not gonna continue that. Just, <laughs> that was just that's just low hanging fruit. But we are back after a week off because uh, both myself and Mr. Willie Nelson were under the weather and I would not have been able to do this show. I was feeling so poorly. So my apologies to everyone. It was short notice. I'd been up since about 3 a.m. And I think I texted these guys at like 9 a.m. And I was like, uh-uh, ain't happening. Ain't oh, yeah. happening. <laughs> and I mean, I saw I saw it later because, yeah, I wasn't awake yet because your 9 a.m. is my 7 a.m. <laughs> I ain't get up 7 a.m. on Sunday for no I'd been up since like 3 a.m. at that point. <laughs> so that was like halfway through my day, it felt like. <laughs> mm. It was bad, man. That's harsh. It was bad. But I'm rested, recovered, and I've played a bunch of video games and read a bunch of comics in between. So I feel... I nice. feel no- I feel normal again. I haven't gotten to watch any Witcher yet, but I did watch some uh, <gasps> some other stuff. You didn't toss a coin to your Witcher, I, you little I did shithead. Not. I'm looking down on you right my, now. Well, my wife was out of town, oh, and it's a show that we watched together. And then she got back in town. I wasn't feeling well. We had a few other things going on, so we really she made had her time. choice by leaving out of town. That was her <laughs> choice, not yours. I suppose she will that's have true. to settle for her misdeeds. So I we will. Fi- we finally started the first episode last night. 
it's a lot easier to avoid spoilers for The Witcher than it is other things that are out there. So I'm okay with not having watched it yet. Oh my god, here, I'm just gonna spoil all of it for you, then I don't care. You guys should have been on it. That's on you guys, not me. We don't willfully spoil people on this show unless we're in a spoiler section of the show. Here, here's how I want to spoil it. Read the books. Done. That's true. You can't spoil yeah. anything that's based on books and <laughs> games that are all over 10 years old. Game of Thrones. Because well, I mean, the later ones weren't based on books. Yeah. Look, so yeah, how are you going to spoil that? It wasn't even based on the books. <laughs> it probably won't be written ever. Sorry, George Railroad Martin. I mean, no offense to you. Choo-choo! You, you just haven't put out a book in a long-ass time, Mr. Railroad. Supposedly he's Busy. close. He's busy making four different TV shows all based on the first books he did. Wait, is he actually in charge of any of those? Like with the story? Like you might give him basic ideas. Oh, yeah. but he's a producer. He writing no, all of them? Producer credits. So he's just hanging out on set watching cool stuff. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? That sounds exactly. awesome. Yeah. Especially I can't blame you know, him. You're seeing right? worlds created out of characters that you put on paper. It'd be awesome as hell to go see those shows being brought to life. He's not wrong. Well, what I hear, the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones had porn level nudity. The later seasons had porn level writing. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're not wrong. That's one way to put it. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, before we roll into the show and get into things, since we haven't been on for a while, I'm sure we'll touch on on what I'm into. But was was Santa Claus good to you guys? Did you get some cool, nice new stuff? Yeah, some. Got that awesome on air sign. Hole on it. You can see my hairy thigh through it. Nobody wants to see that, Willie. Yeah, those don't sound oh, like I'm gonna good. show it. You're no, going to bend you yourself enough to be able to... Okay, I'm in... Oh, no, that's cheating. No, you can't no, no. stand no, no. up. It's just just this. It's just a hole right here. That's all. No, I was just saying it was cheating that oh. you were standing up. I was I was hoping for contortionist, Willie, to start the year. Mm. Okay, let's see if I can do that, then. Let's uh, <laughs> point the camera down. <laughs> yeah, it's like right here. Yeah, bam. <laughs> well, that was less entertaining than I expected it to be. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah, once no. again, remember my other ankle is the one that's messed up. Fair. It's if you're still about hundred percent. For so those of you listening to the, for those of you listening to the audio podcast of things, it's something that we can't really describe. We showed to you. some leg, baby. But Willie no. showed a little leg. You can go catch that over at twitch.tv slash spidey six one six or at nerds.live as one of the back episodes of the show. Please I've feel shown free to worse enjoy. before. Oh, we know. That's true. We know. That's true. But yeah, Santa was good to me. Finally got a book I've been wanting for a very long time. Oh yeah. For those on Hard audio, Christmas it is book. the Die Hard Christmas book, and Willie doesn't Written like Die Hard. By it's a Christmas Honer. movie. No, I like Die Hard. It's an all right. It's a great movie. It's just I get the fucking joke of it's my favorite. I get the joke. I'm so done with yeah, the joke. But Willie, my favorite Christmas get, movie is Iron Man Three, not Die Hard. No, your favorite Christmas movie is Iron Man Three. That's what I just said. I thought all I heard was Iron Man. You must have cut out right at three. Sorry. Oh, yeah, he said three. I said I'm sorry. That's my bad. It was my yeah. It's my bad. Yeah, Shane Black, the one who said, what was he say? Uh, what was that fucking terrible line in Predator, the joke? Oh, all of his jokes in that movie are terrible. That's the whole point of are his character. Are we allowed to say Yeah, we're allowed to say it. Hey, you got a giant pussy. Hey, you got hey, a, you giant, got a pussy. giant pussy. Why'd, Why'd you, say you say that say twice? twice? I didn't. He said it just like that, too. It wasn't like any inflection on mm-hmm. anything. It was just as yeah. flat as that. That was the whole point <laughs> of the character he played. Was He was a guy that couldn't tell jokes, which was hilarious. But he still did the guy anyway. writing the movie. Hey, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Willie is our Shane Black. <laughs> so he's going to go That's direct Robert Downey Jr.? Maybe. I mean, I could do it. Hell, I could make a... You know what? I think I'd be a pretty all right director. From what I've heard from Kevin Smith, it's not that hard of a job. <laughs> hey, look at Kevin Smith. He could do it. He's a lazy piece yeah. of shit. And the Self way he says it, everybody said. else can say it. Everybody else could do it, too. 
He's like, if I can do this job, anybody can do it. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he got extremely lucky, though. I mean, he did make a good movie like that actually, you know, paid it off at the end. But he went if that movie, if Clerks didn't do well, he would have been in a shit ton of trouble. Oh, true. He yeah, with all those in, credit cards. Yeah, he's would have been in credit card debt for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah, so I was you also have to take it with a grain of salt. That was a lot of luck that he actually got picked up. Like you have to get seen by the right people at That's the fair. right time. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I guess we'll roll in actual show content. For those that have been oh, here uh, as longtime viewers slash listeners, this is where we would normally transition to the news of the week. We're doing something a little different since it's the beginning of the year. We kind of want to talk about a little of the stuff that passed in the year previous in 2021. And we're going to toss things over to Mr. Bachman himself because he's put together kind of a list of some of his top things in different categories from 2021. And we're making use of his hard work so that Willie and I can chime in and sound like we did a lot of hard work, too. Work smarter, not harder, right? Work lazy, not harder. Well, that too. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, don't work at all. Just comment on what other people are doing. So we'll talk that about works. these top things from the last year. And then the back half of the show, uh, heads up to anyone who hasn't seen it yet, we'll get into a spoiler-filled discussion on Spider-Man No Way Home. And we'll let you know when that's coming up so that if you are a live viewer or you're just listening to the audio version, you know when to drop off until you've watched the movie yourself. Does that sound yeah. fair, everyone? Oh, uh, looking at the uh, box office, who hasn't seen it? That's uh, true. I mean, it's. I mean, it's I'm a lot just of people. kidding. If you haven't seen it, that's all right. It's not it's a now, problem. It's now Sony's number one film, and it's basically the first film to say, COVID what? No, we're going to the movie. <laughs> yeah, my concern is that this is going to turn into its own super spreader event, but let's not hear it. It might. There. It might. Oh, yeah. I was, I was right next to two people I did not know. Both times like I saw right it, we next. were able to space ourselves out because we went to the first showing of the day. So I that helped. The second showing of the day. Yeah. We were adequately spaced out and I felt relatively safe and dual layer masks. So hopefully that's not what finally gives me COVID. Oh, is that? Let's get in the list. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he's still busy, uh, then we'll chat around. No, I got it. Yeah. My Evernote was fucking up. I got the list, though. Okay. All right. So hey, I did. Yeah. One to 10. So we go 10 up. Uh, and I want to start with uh, one of my favorite actors of the year because they did two massive roles very, very far apart from each other, and that is Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike started the year off doing I Care A Lot for Netflix, which is the single, the character that I most singularly wanted to see physically hurt in a film. She plays a character that basically takes elderly people, gets a quarter or a junction against them to put them in a retirement home or some type of uh, like mental institution saying that they can't take care of themselves and then she takes all of their like their property, becomes the, the owner of it legally, and then sells everything. She's an abysmal character. She is the worst person walking the planet. Power I have never wanted... Yeah, power, she has power of attorney over everything, yeah. I've never wanted to see a character be physically harmed more in a film. <laughs> and she did it great because you hate her in this movie. And I mean, that's good acting. Like, I mean, there's a re if you hate Chris Jericho, it's because he's a good wrestler. He's doing his job. Uh, no, nah, it's about the all anti-mask stuff. That's why I hate him. Uh, well, I'm talking character wise. Oh, fair but, enough. <laughs> yeah. When a wrestler's a heel and you hate them, it's because they're doing their job. Rosamund Pike made Fucking me suck. hate her in 
like in the movie I Care a Lot, which also had Dinklage in it, so it was awesome. And then yeah. at the end of the year, would you shut up? What is your problem with Dinklage? Are you going to see like, what he said recently? I don't know. He was in a great movie, and he's a great actor. Just recently, he said some things like, uh, oh, people are just angry at the way Game of Thrones ended because the white people didn't ride off on horseback and live yeah. happily ever after. Yeah, he's that's right. not why people hate. No, that's not why people hated it. <laughs> that is not why people hate it at all. Like you just turn into a racial thing out of nowhere for no reason. Like shut the fuck up, Peter Dinklage. Either way, Rosamund Pike, who we're talking about, fair then enough, ended the year in Wheel of Time, where she played the main character in the Aes Sedai, who takes the dragon reborn to the Eye of the World to face off against the Dark One, where she's you know a super badass, basically sorceress. That's trying to take these group of kids where they think they believe she believes one of them to be the reborn, uh, like super powerful character to either break or save the world and goes on this, you know, epic adventure from the Robert Jordan books that I mean, now having watched that show, I'm very excited to start reading the books because I have a best friend who told me about the books forever and kept telling me to try to read them. I bought the first one. I guess there's like 24 of them or some shit. And it's like, you know, like a Lord of the Rings epic level story. And yeah, this is just the first part of it. And the first season of the Wheel of Time, which is why we haven't got to Witcher yet. Me and the girlfriend started watching Wheel of Time and got all the way through that show. And we're waiting to start the Witcher because we didn't want to be in the middle of two fantasy shows at the same time That's that fair. involved magic and, you know, fantasy creatures and different stuff. It's like, ah, let's finish this one and then get back to that one. But yeah, so that we finished the Wheel of Time, which I think last Friday they just put out the season finale. And it was damn good. That show is interesting as hell. The acting's great. Of course, it's Amazon, so they're throwing a ton of money at the CGI. But yeah, so number 10 on my list was Rosamund Pike going from a character I just literally wanted to physically strangle her myself to playing the main character, the Aes Sedai, in um, The Wheel of Time and just being a badass chick. Did you guys see either of those? No. Wheel of Time's on my list, but it's after we watch Witcher. Okay, so you guys did it the, the opposite of the way me and the girlfriend did it. Yeah, I'm going to do that after Witcher. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's solid. because Yeah, you like Lord of the Rings, right? No, I don't like Lord of the Rings. It's one of my defining character traits. I think it's incredibly boring and don't care for it. Mm, okay, well, then it'll be interesting <laughs> to see because like, it's, it's basically like Robert Jordan read Lord of the Rings as a kid and was like, I'm going to do my own giant epic world. And so it'll be interesting to see how you feel about like that because it's that level of storytelling. It is giant world building. It is characters with magic. Uh, each of the Aes Sedai have a guardian, which is basically a male character that's their like their guardian for sure. But like it's their physical. They basically every sorceress has a fighter that's connected to them through a mental link. So they actually have a bond where like they actually feel what each other feels. So it's got some cool world world building, some great character development in it. So it's got some good stuff. So fantasy shows and things like that are always a hard sell for me because I don't get into like magic kind of fantasy as easily as I do like space fantasy and things like that for some reason. I, I don't know what it is. So like The Witcher was those exceptions to the rule where I like really enjoyed The Witcher, which surprised me because it's not generally something that's in my wheelhouse. And I've actually tried playing The Witcher game a couple times and it never really hooked me but somehow the television show itself did. So my hope is that I like it, but I've heard that the wheel of time show starts out very slow. And that concerns me because if it doesn't hook me, I know I'm just gonna be sitting there. Oh God, let me just get on Twitter. 
<laughs> uh, it's true. I mean, it, it might be problematic. It's funny because, yeah, I think you're the exact opposite of Jana, where she loves the fantasy stuff and she has trouble with the sci-fi things. Anytime someone's creating like some, you know, some crazy weapon or a spaceship engine or something like that loses her and she gets, she loses interest where, yeah, like you love the mass effect stuff. Like she loved the wheel of time and really enjoyed it. And I mean, we've been enjoying the Witcher too. And like, we literally started just the first episode of season two last night. And yeah, she loves those. Yeah. I think you and her like the exact opposite on like the, the storytelling stuff where she loves the fantasy or you're more, you, you like the sci-fi more and have trouble with the fantasy. She has trouble with the sci-fi. Yeah. And I like it all. <laughs> well, Willie, did you watch any of Will of Time yet? I have not. Am I moving? No, mm-hmm. it, when Skype disconnects, it doesn't oh. like to reconnect on NDI. So I'm oh. trying to look to see how I can fix I it on you. my no end. Worries. <laughs> that, oh that's yeah, yeah, you're just not. Where I look now, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what I look like. We got a Willie on pause. So for anyone who was watching us there, I apologize. I tried to fix an issue that popped up with a. Uh, Skype reconnect issues, and it blew everything up. So we should be back and running now. It appears that we have been live for 15 seconds as I'm talking right now. So apologies to everyone in the chat room about our uh, inadvertent vanishing there. So uh, where we had left off, I believe, was Bachman was asking Willie if he'd watched any of Wheel of Time yet when things froze. So let's let's go back to that. You watched any Wheel of Time, Willie? You're muted. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I have not watched any of it at all. I am interested, just haven't had the chance to watch. All right. Well, then we'll move on to number nine. Now I got to turn the phone back on, bring up the list again. <laughs> <laughs> Too many things. Oh, yeah. So number nine on my list, I put the updates to a DVD with Hellraiser and the artist and Jonah. So the good and the bad, because they introduced Hellraiser, which once again, it messed with the game because anytime there's an update, DVD goes to shit. And then they had this ridiculous voice line, which was kind of great, where when you picked up the Hellcube and started solving it, Hellraiser had the ability to teleport to you. And when you when he did that, he would say, You open the box. I came. And yeah, oh you know, as we get the giggle from Willie, people just loved it. It was fucking hilarious. And then uh Behavior decided they were gonna start fucking around with NFTs. And so they pulled the voice line and then apparently did a reissue of an NFT version of the DLC that was $250. And along with it, you would get the voice lines for Pinhead, which was kind of bullshit because those voice lines were included in the original DLC that people bought. And then by pulling the voice lines out, they further broke their game, which no one's better at that than Behavior. Behavior in D.C., Two companies that can shoot themselves in the foot better than anybody. But yeah, it actually broke it broke the chatter, it broke Pinhead, and for I think roughly a month, month and a half, if you logged into a match and the killer was Pinhead, it would just crash the game. Oof. So anybody trying to play as Pinhead would cause the game to crash. And so, I mean, there was a whole lot of awful shit about that. Then, uh, nearing the end of the year, because we got an actual pretty good Halloween event, we got, you know, pumpkins we could kick where they added a new dynamic to the game, which was kind of cool. And then um, the Halloween event almost lasted half the month of Halloween which, or half the month of October, which, God damn it, behavior. October 1st to October 31st. How hard is that? It's the whole month of Halloween. very difficult. Yeah, it's very difficult for them. But we did get some cool events, and they actually did a, as the new archive came out, they actually added a two-week-long archive 
that was specifically for Halloween included the new character Michaela, who was an actual witch, which was very cool. She added in boon totems, which was a huge change of the game. And then they made it to where, as you were working on the Halloween uh, archive, that was a very basically a very small battle pass. You got a full outfit for Michaela, a full outfit for the Doctor, uh, charms for survivors and killers, which was all very cool. All the challenges were fairly easy to do. One of them was like, go kick 30 pumpkins. And so there were just pumpkins that appeared in matches where like uh, totems normally would, which is really cool. But the best part of it was when you were done with that archive and it closed, all the experience points you had gotten while you were playing that one counted towards the actual new battle pass that had opened up at the same time, which has yeah, a bunch of trickster stuff. But still, it was more free costumes, free cosmetics. So you got credit and archive riff fragments towards the current battle pass while you were working on the event pass, which was fantastic because you basically got double credit for playing the same matches. And then, yeah, we got the release of the artist and Jonah, which they actually started out with like, they created a fake website for this artist character and actually had, you know, this crazy uh, ink base, just uh, black and white art of a bunch of crows on it. And then we ended up finding out about uh, a character, uh, Jonah, who is a CIA code breaker, who ended up having you know dealing with a weird string of numbers that led him to a place in time of his actual death where the entity took him into the fog, which is kind of funky. And then they added uh, Jonah, who is basically Guy Fieri. It, he looks like Flavortown in DVD. <laughs> and so it's awesome. He's got he's rocking the goatee and the spiky hair and he's got the sunglasses. He walks around with an iPad mini in his hand, which is funny because like all of a sudden uh, all survivors in the game carry their items in their right hand, and now you have a survivor that's just carrying around an iPad mini in his left hand all the time, which is kind of weird. Is it and, an iPod mini in particular? I, it looks like an iPad mini. I think it's supposed to be like his little code cracking device or whatever. I'm not sure what it's actually supposed to be, but it's always there. And it's funny because sometimes it doesn't render, and so he'll just be holding a blank nothing in his hand. See, that's then, how yeah. you know he's a good guy, because no bad guys can have iPads. Or I oh, is that what it is? Is that what it is? Yeah, well, that's right, because yeah, because because of, of Apple. Yeah, no bad yep. guys can have iPads. But yeah, and then yeah, they introduce the artist that's who shoots true. crows at people, and then uh, the area of crows, which is I hate another I bright map, but it's a cool looking map. Uh, the only my biggest takeaway though is that the top of the in the area of crows, there's a tower. You go up to the outside of it, and everything in the game design of DBD tells you. If there's a ledge like this and then a depression on the ledge, you can vault that depression. That's how the game mechanic is. That's how every map is set up. And yet on the area of crows, the exterior wall of the tower has a bunch of, you know, basically stone that drops down to wood and you can't vault over any of it. It's so goddamn aggravating when you're in a run because yeah. it looks like you can vault it. And there's like 40 places up there that look like they can be vaulted and you can't vault any of them. It's the one thing that I think they really need to change on that map. Other than that, it's a really cool map because it's the first one with sand instead of dirt or grass, so they actually have a different sound effect when you're running on it. It's very strange because it's one of those maps you can see clear across it. In some parts, like you're seeing, you know, from almost one side of the map to the other, like it's very, it's very bright, and so like it's it's kind of it's 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 a unique map. It was really cool. I know Chris, I don't think, has still played any DVD, but I know Willie has. I've played a little bit because it's on. it was on Game Pass at one point, so I tried it when it was on okay. Game Pass. It was all right. I have a hard time getting into games like those. I played some of the Friday the 13th game a while back, and I felt uh. like I kind of got burned. 
because I got into it right uh, as it was uh, winding down. As Willie calls it, Terrible. checking drawers the game. I, it was one that I actually had a lot of fun watching people play on Twitch and Mixer. That's how far back when I first started looking at that. Because it was a fun community-like experience as give you that. shit was going on. Yeah. I don't think it's as fun to to play if you're by yourself or just with randos. Like Watching people play and having that community aspect I thought was pretty cool. But that I have not played... Chat. Yeah, I haven't friends. played much DBD yet. I've probably put maybe an hour or two into it, just enough to kind of understand a little bit of what you guys were talking about. Because I was like, I'm I'm not really sure I'm in the know here yet. So let me learn some. I still think it's a fun game. It's probably the game I'm probably the best at. I am a better survivor than uh, Bachman over here, but Bachman is a better killer than I am because I rarely play killer. Yeah, which yeah, you you and Janet, it's the same. You're both you're both survivor mains. I'm one of the few people I think that I know that's really half and half where I will play survivor half the time and killer half the time. And there are lots of people that just play killer. That's all they do. I do enjoy both aspects of the game, but yeah, I'm not absolutely fantastic at either, but I'm a pretty good killer. I, I my, think my, bu- my Bubba gets a whole lot of four K's. I think it's really <laughs> interesting that together. this game and similar games that are these online only kind of games like uh, Fortnite and stuff like that have kind of developed this trend now of, where the base game itself is free. We get people with battle passes and microtransactions to unlock certain things because I don't think if these things have become popu- excuse me, popular, that, for instance, the Halo Infinite multiplayer would have been free. And that yeah. I think that Dead by Daylight's success, Fortnite's success, and things like that are responsible for Microsoft and 343 making Halo multiplayer free to play on Xbox and PC, which I think is kind of cool and I've dabbled with a little bit. And they've also adopted a battle pass model that they kind of got savaged on at first. And I guess they're revising their model for how they handle their battle pass based off a lot of user feedback because it wasn't a great battle pass the way people were discussing because it was more predicated on play a number of matches and do these weird things and experiencing and experience points and things like that were all scurry. I don't know enough about battle passes and things like that to understand how it worked, but I've read the commentary on the subreddits and stuff like that where people were grudgingly accepting of how 343 has started tweaking things in there so kudos to dead by daylight Fortnite, and things like that for causing an evolution that made halo multiplayer which is arguably one of the more popular things on xbox free to play yeah i mean it's yeah that that business model seems to be working because that i mean we've seen it with vhs which is coming out to be a direct competitor to dead by daylight mm-hmm. they're going free to play on pc when they do launch the game and their whole business model is going to be trying to make money on you know, cosmetics, yep. stuff that don't really affect the game, but can change your character because people love dressing their characters up. Between me and Jana, we probably bought a, you know, a used car's worth of cosmetics <laughs> for DVD. So, and used like, cars aren't cheap in today's market. <laughs> yeah, it's, woo. I mean, I probably spent more on my chairs, but still we, we've spent a fair amount on DVD cosmetics because they are expensive as fuck. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> and they give Willie that face. No, I'm not. I'm not paying money for that. No, if, if they were maybe like a quarter of what they charge for, you know, I'd think about it, and yeah. that thinking would probably get me to do it. But for what it's, oh no, it's too much. So I'll uh, say I'll be, this: I'll be honest. I don't think I've bought any DVD cosmetics that weren't on sale. Yeah. At least thirty percent. And I've done that on a few things, or with things that I've earned in game. Like I bought some stuff in Anthem based off of credits I earned in game. I never actually paid oh. any money 
to buy anything, which is probably good because that servers are probably getting turned off at some point in time. Did you even play Anthem long enough to even get into the marketplace? Yeah, I beat the whole thing. Ugh. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah he Why? put 30 hours in. He beat the whole story. That's it's all, all it takes is 30 hours. Willie, I bought the game for five bucks and then it was on Game Pass. So I didn't yeah, even have to the put the disc back Bioware in. the Bioware game in the world. <laughs> I, it was actually, I enjoyed it. It's just that the end game content is non-existent in Anthem. And that's the yeah. point to this day. Like, I had fun playing the game itself and jumping in co-op to do things with folks, but there's nothing to do once you beat the game. And they never really put anything in there because it was just seen as dead. Yeah, and credit where credit is due. Behavior has a super expensive store for the cosmetics for their characters. But the battle pass that you pay $10 for gives you three outfits, I believe, minimum every time we've had a battle pass. So what they call the Rift, the Archive, so, I mean, for dollar-wise, for usually an actual outfit is 10 to $20 in DVD. So for 10 bucks, you get three outfits. So, so, I mean, they've been killing it with their Battle Pass because they fill that sucker up with charms and cosmetics. You have to play through it. You have to play yes. through it to earn it. But, well, you could also just, you could, hell, buying levels in the Battle Pass is cheaper a lot of times than buying cosmetics in the store. But I'm saying if you buy the Battle Pass and play for a couple of months, you'll get three costumes for a lot less than you would pay for three costumes in the store for DVD. So, I mean, at least their battle pass, I've never, I've never like got to the end of a battle pass in DVD and be like, well, that I can't believe I wasted my time filling that out to get these outfits. Usually there's at least one outfit or two that are pretty damn cool. So I will say this battle passes. If I were the Chris of 10 years ago, I played a lot more online games and things like that. I would find them more appealing. I, I think that the Chris of now who doesn't play a bunch of online games. So let me use Halo as my example here. If I was playing Halo where I was putting a couple hours in a day and unlocking things, the battle pass would probably be a lot more attractive to me. But if it's me who plays a couple multiplayer games a week of it and then does other random things, the battle pass to me, while I think there's value in it turns into, Oh God, that means I've got to dedicate X amount of hours to try and knock all of these things out, which is why they do it. I get it. Cause it keeps you playing the game, keeps people invested. But for my purposes now, I'm like, I'm far more casual of an online gamer now. I like enjoying just my single player stories and, and games on my Xbox itself and occasionally dabbling in multiplayer. Whereas 10 years ago, I would have been all over a lot of these online only kind of things and been like playing Borderlands and stuff like that. I was doing all sorts of things like that. So I don't think they're quite for me, but I get it. And I, while I don't like the concept of microtransactions generally, I find a battle pass is more palatable because it's kind of giving you an opportunity to unlock things and it's relatively cheap. And it's in most cases for games that you either got for free or you paid a small cost for. So it sustains those games and keeps them growing. So I get that model. It doesn't feel like the cash grab we have for certain EA games where it's, hey, pay 60 bucks for this. Then there's this whole separate thing that we want to microtransaction you to death so you can build your Madden Ultimate team until you do it next year. Yeah, and rip John Madden. Yeah. R.I.P. John. Like, rip him like the soda can I just did? No. No, rip him like rest in peace. Yeah, we lost lost Madden and Betty White. Right if, at the end of the week. If you get a chance, there's a really cool documentary that Fox did. It's called All Madden that I think is now on like Peacock and a variety of streaming services. It's like mm-hmm. a 90-minute walkthrough of Madden's life. And it's really cool. It's got all sorts of interviews. It starts with him coaching, then going on the road and doing commentary. And then 
people who played the Madden game and his input into it. It's fascinating. It's a really cool look back into the career of John Madden. And if you're someone like me who started getting into football and watching it on TV, and this is before we had Red Zone, and was always like, I got to find John Madden's game because it was generally the biggest game of the week. It's pretty fun yeah. to go back and see a lot. And of his John commentary Madden's was good, which yeah, as a, as, as a Broncos fan <laughs> who dis, who dislikes the Raiders, I was not a huge fan of John Madden growing up because he was the coach of the Raiders and coached the dirtiest team in football. But goddamn, I'm going to go watch the replacements this week because his commentary, night. his commentary on the yep. replacements is one of the greatest things ever. And if y'all forget, it's literally Gene Hackman, Keanu Reeves, John Favreau, and uh. Uh, Reese Bonds, who just played the lizard again, all of yeah. those guys and Orlando Jones, all in one movie, and it's amazing. It's one of the greatest football films of all time. And John Madden does the commentary on the games that are played in this fake league in the movie. It's great. It's Your fucking Washington great. Sentinels. Yep, the Sentinels. <laughs> that movie's so good. Uh, there's a lot of heart. Miles and miles of heart. Miles and miles of heart. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, I mean, the DVD Battle Pass was good. And then, yeah, also, like Chris was saying, for the free-to-play ones, like, I just bought the new Fortnite one. Because the Fortnite Battle Pass, if you get to level 9 this time, you get a Spider-Man suit. And the cosmetics in that game are ridiculous, but they're really fun. So, Willie, That game you, is all about cheesy fun. Willie, you roll your eyes, but that's the point of it, is it keeps people engaged and yeah. wanting to play the game. Because it's, oh my god, I can get a Rick Sanchez character skin, or I can get a Spider-Man character skin. And while some people may roll their eyes over that, there's a lot of people who might be, say, Spider-Man fans, like, oh my god, I have to have that. And then maybe the next battle pass, it's like, you can unlock the Willie D Nelson skin or some nonsense like that. And they may not care as much. It's, it's an interesting model and I'm a bit more tolerant of it because if you want to play the game, you just hit the download button. Listen, you don't listen, have listen. to met, do those things. I met two people who work for Epic cause Epic's not that far from me. Okay. Epic studios, wherever their campus is. Yeah. I met two people. One of them. Good guy. He's a good guy. Like him. The other guy, he was a prick and a half. And I'm judging the <laughs> whole company off that one guy because that prick ruined everything. Fuck him. I don't even remember his name. That one rotten apple ruined the bunch. Yeah, I met him at a party one night. It's like, oh, you're just a dickhead. Yeah. But Chris ain't wrong. Like, I didn't really care too much about the last Battle Pass. It had some cool characters in it. There was a space chimp in it I kind of wanted to get, but I didn't, like, haul ass through it. But this current Battle Pass, you end up with Spider-Man at level 9 and then the black suit Spider-Man at level 10. So I really want to get that. And the previous battle pass, if you went all the way through it, you got Rick Sanchez. And then I ended up getting Morty and like the UFO saucer. And then all the bonus levels unlock Superman, where once the bonus levels past the battle pass are available, it actually shows that you've been getting credit for the challenges to get those items all during the season. You just didn't know it because they were locked behind, you know, basically just, you know, you couldn't see them. But yeah, it, it's the way they do challenges in that game to get cosmetics and just fun stuff that, you know, doesn't change your gameplay at all. It's just flown, you know, flying around or jumping around with a different character. It's, it's fun. It's interesting. And yeah, it keeps the game kind of, you know, you can change different stuff up. It's fun to run around as, yeah, Rick Sanchez in like a platinum outfit or run around as Morty in your 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 uh, exo armor or run around as freaking Superman and change back and forth into Clark Kent. Let's just put it this way. PUBG beat them to the game. Who talks about PUBG anymore? It's been how many years? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, it's leaving Game Pass even. <laughs> I was like, what? People are playing oh, this well, I mean, and PUBG I thought was kind of fun. It was a more realistic kind of battle royale game. Not overly realistic, but more realistic than Fortnite. I think that Epic has kind of unlocked the secret sauce of how to keep that game alive. Which is, 
keep expanding it and keep doing these battle passes and things like that so that people want to become involved in it. Now, some of the uh, cross-collaboration they've done I thought was super dumb, like the fact to understanding that why Emperor Palpatine returned in Revenge and Rise of Skywalker is only explained in Fortnite still baffles me to this day. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. That's the only place where it's explained. There was a holographic transmission that was displayed for everyone in a game of Fortnite. There was Emperor Palpatine addressing the galaxy, talking about his return and how he was going to bring everyone to heal, basically. When it was yeah, only I'm in Fortnite. To, I'm judging yeah. the whole company on that one asshole. They, they've done some funny shit. Well, well that's I mean, not right Fortnite's now, fault. That's Lucasfilm's fault. Right now, they've flown the island that. over. Yeah. So for the first time ever, the island has changed, and the character leading the charge in the new war is the rock wearing battle armor. Sweet. So you can't see his face yet, but it's Dwayne Johnson's voice, and we all know that it's the rock under there. Rocky sucks. Rocky <laughs> sucks. Yeah. Sorry, we went on a pretty good tangent there. I apologize, but it was a fun tangent. Well, yeah, apologize that's the whole that. point of this list. Fucking <laughs> apologize right. for shit today, Chris. Well, number eight, I think, will be a, a fairly quick one because uh, why The Last Man came out this year and then why The Last Man was canceled this year, but that made me go back and actually buy all the omnibuses on Comixology and yesterday, I just finished reading Why the Last Man. So I read all five of the oversized trades on the Comixology sale, which I think they were like 60% off. Oh, it was so dirt I finally, cheap. I bought them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I bought all, it's five or six of the, the big ones. And I, I just finished it yesterday. So yeah, I've just read, you know, what was what, like 2,000 pages of that book. And yeah, it's great. I finally finished reading one of the, like, what's considered, you know, you know, it's an Eisner winner. It's one of the best comics ever written. I just finished it. Sadly, the show's gone, but eh, it got me to read the comic finally. So, so yeah, I finally read Why the Last Man and really enjoyed it. They put all of those books on sale because the show was coming out, and I went, okay, I'm going to buy all the compendiums. I bought them, and I read them, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to start the show. Then they canceled the show, and I went, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm just going to stick to the comic then since I just finished reading it. I don't want to get invested in the show that's not returning now yeah, because I, I wanted mean, to part. finish the book before I started the show. Hmm. It was a good read. I just, I, I wish I had stopped before we got to the epilogue books. The short run that was the epilogue that takes place like 20 years later. Oh, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah I don't care. I was like, I'm just as, I would have been just as happy ending it prior to that leap forward. Oh, uh, fair enough. I just, yeah, I think for a lot of comics fans, like you can't just end on a downer note. Like they want to see what happens to that world. Robert especially Kirkman when it begs to differ. <laughs> Who? Robert Kirkman begs to differ oh, when it very, comes to the walking no. dead. Robert Kirkman <laughs> does a jump forward at the end of The Walking Dead. Oh, did it? I don't remember. Yeah. And you see what happens to the kid. When oh, he's you're an right. Adult, you're right. And the world's almost back to normal, but there are still zombies. Yeah, he did, and he did it with Invincible too. You are wrong, 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 sir. I will. I take my wrongness. <laughs> I apologize, everyone. I misspoke. Yeah, both of his comics end with a jump 10, 20, 30 years into the future. And a wrap-up story to show you what are happening to the characters at that point. But yeah, and the Invincible one is amazing. It is. The Invincible one's awesome. Yeah. Because, yeah, you get you get to see some characters in a way that you've never seen them before. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's the tough I, thing with those jump forwards, though, is because there's so much that can change in that time that sometimes you look at it and be like, this is the same character? The shit? Yeah. And maybe true. I think that's well, why the why the last man jumped forward. Kind of, I was like, this, this doesn't feel like what I was expecting. Well, and the, the the Invincible one's weird, too, because Corey Walker got to draw the last issue. Yeah. So after almost 15 years of Ryan Otley, and I love Corey Walker. He's a co-creator of the book. There's a reason. He's part of the reason these characters exist and are amazing. 
But after so much Ryan Otley art, and then what we got was, well, Corey gets to finish it. Well, good for Corey, but I really kind of wanted to see Ryan draw those last pages. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, so yeah, we got, yeah, Why the Last Man came out, Why the Last Man was canceled, and it got me to read Why the Last Man. So, you know, in that aspect, it was really good. And apparently it got Chris to read it too, so yeah. both of us got to read a you know an Eisner-winning badass comic, so that's not bad. I had wanted to get into it before. And it's just, I could never find them on sale. So when I found them on sale, I was like, ah, okay, now's the time to do it. And I had literally no problem spending that money. I've watched, I've read a lot of digital comics and comicsology this year. It's been good times. Comicsology sales are great. At least for me. I don't know if they're as great for the creators. Yeah, that I don't know about, but I mean, yeah, I know I, I'm I got a whole bunch of I mean, comics digitally. It on. must be okay for the creators because I have seen Dan Slot plug in the Spider-Man sales throughout the years when ones ones come up like, hey, you can read my entire run of Spider-Man. It's on sale in Comicsology right now, stuff like that. So they must nice. get something. I just don't know how much of a cut they get from it. Yeah, and it's probably better for people like Dan Slot, who are huge names. You know, probably not as good for those smaller names, which is usually what happens. Correct. In I'm not sure it's as great for the independent comic creator as it is for the people that are entrenched with one of the major companies or who run a major company. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Willie, did you watch or read any of Why the Last Man? I watched the first episode. That is as far as I got, I think, and uh, it was kind of interesting. That's fair. fair enough. That's, that's all yeah. I got with that. <laughs> all right. And then uh, number seven, we got another game made the list because I actually just restarted it on my account on the PlayStation Living Room because I had gone through the tutorial stuff and like the start of the storyline part just for the girlfriend because she really hates tutorials and she'd watch me play it on her account. I decided to pop the disc back in and play it on my account. The disc that I had to get because it was 50% off roughly two weeks after the game came out. So yesterday I played another solid hour and a half, two hours into Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Oh, fuck out of here. That game is fun as hell. It fuck really is. You. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> For those that are unaware, Willie's place. Your game, your PlayStation don't like that game. Willie's PS4 disc reader is busted for dual layer Blu-ray, as he was saying, so he can't play the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's just dual layer Blu-ray disc. For some reason, single layer, all right, unless... Unless Skyrim just downloads it to the system. I mean, that's a single layer disc. I mean, I don't, don't all games that. basically download it to the system and it basically just spins no. up the disc to ensure that you own it? No. No, mm-hmm. so I'm actually playing. I think that's disc. just an Xbox thing. Okay. Because, I mean, I haven't bought a disc in a long time. So if they started doing that within the last couple of years, I know maybe? that Spider Man had to Man. install gigs of data off of the disc when I put, Digital. put it in. Uh, I think the last game I bought physically was Titanfall 2. Right, and I'm saying that was a physical that, that. that was a physical yeah. disc that it put in and had to spin up and download a bunch of stuff and install a bunch of stuff and download Same updates. Well, yeah, and don't if, it was too, not like, 30 or 40 gigs of patches that it was I downloading. Know, <laughs> yeah, but don't forget the the Amazing Spider-Man game. Even by the time it was out, they were already adding shit that they you sure. know because Insomniac just kept adding stuff to that game, which was free and awesome. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Because they did the DLCs, but yeah, they also just kept adding shit. So yeah, it was kind of cool. They just kept doing, you know, basically free updates. Yeah, I like your pick of Guardians of the Galaxy at this spot on the list. I think it's an awesome game. I think the voice acting is good. I think the music is good. I'm not super far into the game, but I've enjoyed the story. And I think Willie expressed it this way before. It's what the Avengers game should have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Avengers basically. game is total poop compared to Guardians of the Galaxy. The Avengers <laughs> game should have been what Ultimate Alliance Three should have been. Yeah, yeah, fair. True. 
there's a whole lot of should have been's. But yeah, yeah, it's super fun. It's just yeah. when I first we like the girlfriend started playing. She's like, oh, I hate these tutorial controls. Will you get through this tutorial part? And like I did that part for her on her account, and then I just put the disc back in the other day so I could play it because we have you know her PlayStation account, my PlayStation account. But I just wanted to get through it. She just doesn't like tutorials. <laughs> uh, well, if you have to do it in the game later on, aren't you going to need to know how to do it later on? I <laughs> know she watches me do it, and so yeah, she <laughs> she gets it. Yeah, she just hates she, she hates playing the. No, she just hates playing the part of the game where it like won't let you do anything. So like him walking around she his room at the beginning. Yeah, she she's like, no, just do this part. So yeah, I just did it for her. That, that's yeah, no, no fun. That's where all the it, fun is. The the only problem I have is is like we've gotten and it, it's really it's James Gunn's fault. I have the James Gunn Guardians kind of stuck in my head, and the fact that this is not those Guardians, I had to kind of rethink about. It's like okay, yeah, this is not the Guardians from the comic books, and this is not James Gunn's Guardians. It's like this is taking the characters from the James Gunn Guardians and kind of redoing them because that you got you know you got a you got a Star Lord that's from the eighties, not from the seventies where all of his musical taste is is, mo- is a mom in mom jeans from the 80s and not a mom that grew up listening to great at you know kick ass 70s hits. Yeah, dad so, rock. Yeah, it just it took it took me a little bit to like, you know, re- realign my brain to that. It's like, no, it's just it's just a new take on a new team of guardians. And then yeah, I started playing against like, man, this fucking game is fun. And the controls are actually pretty pretty, you know, fairly intuitive. The costumes are cool, and I love like the choices that you get to make as Peter Quill. Because, like, a lot of them are, they seem like very Peter Quillist choices. Where it's never, like, there's never just a good and bad choice. It's like, do you kind of want to be a dick? Or do you kind of want to be funny? Like, those seem to be most of the choices you make in the game. Which just, yeah. it, it's it's perfectly full fitting for the dick. character. Is that going to be your first run through? It's full dick mode? Full dick. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. this. Warning! Warning! You are now entering Super, Super Dick Mode! mode. That's when Willie plays the game. <laughs> There's one of our classic bumps. Indeed. Super dick mode. Yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy hit my seventh spot. I, I really liked it. Yeah, it was a fun game. And yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be probably finishing that this year. I'll hopefully also finishing Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just safer. How many it. years have you said that so far? It, it's, it's been my game of the year for four years running. I think it's only been out for three. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two years. Yeah. That game is so good. It's been my game of the year for four years. It was my game of the year for two years before it came out. It's just so fucking fun. I don't know. I just I'm taking my time with it, man. Every side quest. I'm doing this game the way I, other people did the, Skyrim. Did I get the platinum for it? I think I got the platinum for it. Yeah, but I'm also I'm also doing a battle pass on Dead by Daylight and fucking uh, Fortnite all at the same time. So I'm playing a lot of games. Yeah, man. He's got a lot of battle passes. That he's working. Yeah. I got battle passes. I'm working while still unpacking. Like, I don't have as much time to play games right now as I used to. But yeah, so that was, uh, what, the seventh slot? Yes. Yes. And then uh, I got, uh, was probably, I'm going to say the best Netflix movie of the year in the sixth slot, which is The Mitchells versus The Machines. Did either of you see that? No. Oh, okay. Is it animated uh, or It's live animated. Out? It's animated. It came out April 30th. And on the poster, it says, from the creators of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and the Lego movie. Oh. This is a, what is it? It's a Mitchell and... Lord Mitchell. Uh, Lord and whatever. Miller and yes. Lord. Or I think Miller and Lord or something. Yeah, I think they, they wrote on it or helped on it or something. But yeah, so uh, you got voices like Danny McBride's in it, Maya Rudolph's in it. I think Abby Jacobson plays the main teenage daughter. 
it's yeah it's a it's a family of just it's just a crazy family on an adventure where uh, robots take over the world and then they end up fighting them and it's all about basically the main uh, teenage daughter learning how to like be comfortable with being herself and being the type of artist she wants to be and seeing the world the way she sees it and then sharing that vision of the world i've never because i follow so many like writers and comedians and comic book artists and writers on twitter when this movie came out almost every creative you know people that make stuff so and also like you know people that just straight up make stuff like makers which i've started following like tested and adam savage and a lot of those guys now everybody i know that's a creative has said that this is one of the greatest films they've ever seen because it basically says hey if you want to make stuff make stuff make your version of it and show it with share it to the world because you'll never be happier than when you're making stuff. Draftsman saying in the chat room, the daughter's a filmmaker and YouTube maker as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in the in the movie, yeah, the daughter makes films and like they're really unique. And so it's already a unique art style that they have for kind of. I mean, it's not. I'm not going to say it's as unique as Into the Spider Verse was, where we basically got a new type of animation. Like Into the Spider Verse blew animation away. It was amazing. The Mitchells versus the Machines, it's not quite that far, but it is a very cool animation style. And the fucking family dog, just watching the dog jump and not be able to catch stuff, is some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in a movie. Because this is a dog that's animated, and so he can't keep his eyes straight. So one eye, whenever one eye is looking at you, one eye is looking off in a different direction. And so like he can't catch anything, because like he can't look at anything. It's fucking stupidly hilarious. And yeah, the, the, the characters, the storyline the laughs in it, the jokes that they give you. It's just, it's a super solid film. I don't, I think anybody who hasn't seen it is literally doing themselves a disservice because it's a heartfelt, great film about making stuff and just like, you know, spending time with your family and being happy about being the people you're with. And the little brother is hilarious. Cause it's that they did the character where he's at that point in life where I think everybody has it, where all the little boy wants to talk about is dinosaurs. And so there's a scene where this kid's sitting on his bed with a giant yellow pages in front of him and a landline phone and calling up a number and saying, hi, my name is Bobby. Would you like to take dinosaurs with me? No. Okay, thanks. Bye. Click. And then he dials the next number and he's literally calling everybody in the phone book to see if they want to talk about dinosaurs. It's (laughs) hilarious because he's like six is a six year old boy that just wants to talk dinosaurs with people. And yeah, no, it's also, no. yeah, it's also, it's also, you know, it's a, it, I guess it would be considered, you know, an, an era piece. It's set in the past. So yeah, he's got a landline and a phone book. So he's not on his iPhone. What yeah. About it's the one creepy guy who answered said, yes, I do. Well, but we don't want to talk about that. But yeah. Oh yeah. Look, let me look over the, yeah, the rest of the cast. Cause there's also the perfect family next door that are voiced by Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. But yeah, so you've got, um, Abby Jacobson plays the main character, Katie. You got Danny McBride, you got Maya Rudolph, you got Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman, uh, Fred Armisen, uh, Blake Griffith, uh, Conan O'Brien's in it. Yeah, it's it's an amazing cast. It's a super heartfelt movie. And yeah, I think both of you guys like really need to watch this. It's a really, really funny, good film. But yeah, Mitchells versus the Machines. It was one of the best movies I saw this year. I, I'm surprised. I mean, I, I could have sworn I talked McBride. about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Danny McBride. Yeah, I didn't like, say yeah. no more. That's all I yeah. need. I think he plays the dad. <laughs> yeah, because he's yeah he's Rick Mitchell, and the dad's hilariously stupid and a great character. All the characters in this family are great. All the characters in this actual movie are great. It's a, it's 
for being animated, like it's it's one of those ones where like you know where they're, they're going to hit you in the heartstrings a little bit, but they're going to give you a great story, and you're you're going to laugh out loud. I I don't imagine anybody watching this movie if you don't laugh out loud at least once, you might be dead. Like you need to go to the hospital and get your heart checked because it is some funny funny shit. And yeah, it's just a great film. And next then... week we might find out I'm dead. <laughs> Willie might be dead. All right, and then number five, uh, sticking with the Netflix, sticking with the animation. But Kevin Smith brought us the new version of the Masters of the Universe Revelations. Yep. Where, yes, spoilers. I'm going to spoil because if it's been out for fucking months, if you didn't see the first half, they kill He-Man twice in this show. They kill He-Man, they kill Adam, Skeletor gets the sword. It's fucking amazing. And along the way, uh, it actually leads me to, I won't have to do it for what I'm into because I'm going to bring it up now. For my birthday, uh, the girlfriend got me some new toys including Tila from uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations on Netflix, which is voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar, which is fucking awesome, and the toy is badass. And then the one that I put on my actual um, on my uh, Amazon wish list, because when Skeletor gets the sword, he changes and becomes the Skelegod. And so I got a Skelegod figure, and I'm super stoked. Because, yeah, this thing is just vicious. That's cool. And, yeah, I can't wait to put them both up on a shelf, like, across from each other and have, like, Tila whacking him in the head with a stick or something. But, yeah, you got Mark Hamill voicing Skelegod. You got um, uh, Mon-El from Supergirl voicing He-Man. Uh, you have uh, Ralph Garman, who made a special appearance at my birthday last night because he was on my cake as Fisto. And he actually delivers the line in the show that he wants to fist Skeletor. And somehow Kevin Smith got that past the Netflix censors. <laughs> and it was hilarious. Yeah. So I had little He-Man characters on my cake. I got He-Man toys. Yeah, I was um, I was born in 78. So He-Man came out, I think it was 85 to 88. Or wait, it was 83 to 85. So I was 5 to 8 years old when He-Man was on TV, on Saturday morning cartoons, where during the three seasons, they put out, I believe it's something like 270 episodes. Like, what they called a season back then is fucking insane, because it was like 90 cartoons. And, yeah, I was the age range. I was the market share. I was the guy that they were aiming that show at to buy toys. I had so many He-Man toys as a kid. My big wheel was the Masters of the Universe big wheel, where the power swords were the spokes that held the big front tire. And I had, you know, stickers on it that were He-Man and Skeletor. I had, you know, Eternia. I had, you know, the Castle Grayskull playset. I had all that shit. And sadly, because they released it in two parts, the first part of it ends on a real downer note where basically Adam's been stabbed, looks like he's dead. Skeletor gets a sword and becomes a god. And a bunch of people were pissed. But also, they, you know, it's the internet. And that's all people do is complain. And instead of waiting to see how the story wrapped up, people just bitched about Skeletor fucking winning and Kevin Smith destroyed their childhood and blah, blah, blah. Bunch of whiny, piney fucking bullshit. And the rest of the show came out and it continued being awesome. And it felt exactly like it did when I was watching cartoons back in 1983. And it kicked ass. It is a it is the perfect capper to the original Masters of the Universe He-Man cartoon. And I loved it. And I just, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, really good show. I enjoyed it. 
Uh, we're going to let Willie come back now because he hasn't seen it, so he didn't want any spoilers. So we're spoiler-free on it for Willie's convenience here. We're no spoilers. I'm just going to say I really enjoyed Masters of the Universe Revelations. The score is also fantastic because it's Bear McCreary. I was going to say Bear McCreary, right? Yeah, I've been a fan of Bear McCreary's work since Battlestar Galactica. So anytime yeah. he's doing the score, I love it. And after each mini arc came out, I basically pulled it up on Google Music the next day, and that's what I was listening to in the office was Bear McCreary's nice. score for Masters of the Universe. It was pretty cool. Wait, Willie, so you stayed spoiler-free on Revelations? Oh, no, I haven't seen any of it. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you hadn't seen any oh, of it yet. I, yeah, I, I no, was no, dropping no, spoilers right at the start of that. My, my apologies. No, you're good. No, you're good. Hey, guess what I found, though, while you were doing that? If it's a I dragon know. dagger from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I'm going to lose it. If it's an Orko, I'm going to cheer. It, it's even better. It's a bowl of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a literal bowl of dicks. <laughs> I got all excited for a dragon dagger. It's here. a literal bowl of dicks. I was hoping for a tiny wizard. Is that your? Well, you did get a bunch yeah, of tiny, tiny willies. Put a little hat on it. Yeah. <laughs> you got a bunch of tiny willies there. How many, how many wizards do you know that aren't dickheads? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Oh man! Spoilers on that coming up at the end. Oh, <laughs> bunch of dickheads. Yeah, Revelations was great. I I know. I think Kevin Smith said they're still waiting to hear from Netflix if they're ever going to do a, another uh, chunk of it. Like they might get to come back and do Revelations technically season two they set it up was, for it let's just leave it yeah. at that yeah we yeah, have season one split into two parts say, fans just being cunts sorry for the language because they were being cunts so for, a lot uh, of those people ended up yeah. eating their own words when part two came out i think it's just they didn't yeah. they weren't as public about the fact that they would eat bought. their own words exactly when you when you talk shit you put it on page one of the newspaper when you print the retraction you put it in a subtitle on page 13 yeah yeah and a lot of those people yeah that talk mad shit when revelations came out had nothing to say when it wrapped up because it was amazing. It was amazing the whole time. They were just dicks when part one came out. Yep. Yeah. So revelations was great. The toys that they got coming out from it were awesome. And yeah, I mean, hell I got, I got mini figs on my cake yesterday because he man is back in the popular zeitgeist and there are fucking toys everywhere. And I love it. I got and my yeah. dad, a Skeletor figure for uh, Christmas this year, actually, because he would nice. always uh, screw with me when I was a kid to talk about the kind and benevolent Skeletor. And little kid me would be like, no, he's not. He's the worst. He's a bad guy. <laughs> so, nice. He has a skull for a head. <laughs> and dad was always like, no, no, no. He's the kind and benevolent Skeletor. He's a, a just and kind ruler. And he would screw with me. That's awesome. So wait, did you get him the uh, the new uh, the Revelation I got him, Skeletor? I got him the, the retro. The universe? classics i got nice. the classic one because those were the ones that i had as a kid and then funny enough my mom also got him one for christmas wow he got two skeletons, <laughs> got for two christmas skeletons. man your dad's killing it <laughs> that's fantastic all right so let's move on from revelation so we don't spoil willie anymore number four we're gonna keep it animated but we're gonna move on over to amazon so i think you guys should know exactly what it is my little pony yes my little pony <laughs> Uh, all, all the bronies we could ever want. No, the bloodiest cartoon, I believe, in the history of animation. Probably. And it's only going to get bloodier because we know for a goddamn fact we're getting at least two more seasons because they greenlit seasons two and three. Bef I believe I think before episode four aired because we only got 10 episodes, but we got Invincible. We got Robert Kirkman running the show. And a cast of characters that are basically all voiced by people he worked with and liked on The Walking Dead. 
because Stephen Young, fucking uh, Glenn himself, the world's greatest pizza delivery man, gets to play uh, Mark Grayson, who is you know the greatest superhero un- in the universe. And yeah, we got we got Seth Rogen as freaking Alan the Alien, which you know that character shows up a lot more later. And then yeah, we got a uh, J.K. Simmons as Omni Man, the world's greatest knockoff Superman, or the galaxy's he needs greatest pictures of Spider Man. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but yeah, Invincible was just it was so good. They made changes, you know, Kirkman made changes to it to kind of speed things along. Uh, made changes to it because it was a book. You know, when you wrote the first issue, you wrote it almost twenty years ago now. And so our society has changed. Our culture has changed. And he went back and looked at it and realized, you know, I really filled this book with a bunch of white men. And that was the majority of the characters. And they went back and made changes that fit with our current culture. But also, it doesn't change the story. It doesn't hurt the story at all. The changes they made make no difference. The girlfriend Amber being African-American versus white doesn't change really anything. And so the changes they made didn't hurt anything there's one change that was a little bit uh, which one better the best friend they just kind of uh, made him to a stereotype well yeah but that character a bit. is that character is an out gay man in college which high school no in college in the comics oh, oh okay and that was more fitting at the time where an out gay character in high school is much more realistic in the current zeitgeist and so oh, kirkman uh, just Kirkman just sped up that character's development. Well, I meant how he acts. It's more of a stereotype than it is just eh. natural. That's well, all. Well, that I meant may by also that. be a little bit to do with the show writers, but yeah, I mean the character is yeah. also really fucking funny. So <laughs> I think right. they use that for the comedy aspect that you can get out of that character. Sorry. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, like shrink, shrinking Ray. They turned turned that character into a female instead of a male. It's small little changes, but none of it hurts the story. We got, you know, we got to see, you know, a little bit of Battle Beast. We got to see, you know, some Michael crazy Dorn. ass Viltrumite shit. Yeah, Michael Dorn as Battle Beast, which, as Kirkman put, he when he wrote the character in the comics, the voice in his head was Worf. And the one thing they wanted was Michael Dorn to play that character. And when they got that, like, Kirkman's head exploded. And also the fact that they called the high school Reginald Bill Johnson High School. <laughs> the principal, when you read the comics, is drawn to look like Reginald Bill Johnson. And they got Reginald Bill Johnson to voice the character in the show. It's amazing. Mr. Winslow. Yeah. Mr. Winslow. But yeah, I mean, freaking Invincible was so good. It was so bloody. They did not back down from any of the meanness of it. They did uh, a weird change in kind of the, the pacing because you're pacing an animation versus pacing a comic book. If you have a big payoff that happens at the end of issue five, you you know you kind of need to save that possibly to the end of your first season if you're doing a season of a show. Because storyline wise, when you know the big reveal, and I'll just say that if anybody hasn't seen or read it, when the big reveal happens, it happens like in issue five because in comics you've got to get to that shit to make that first trade viable so that your book stays around. Where for redoing the comic book or the the animation, they're like, okay, we'll save the big reveal to the end of the season and have Mark do some of his further adventures that happened after the big reveal in the comic and just do those early. And so, you know, they kind of had to rejigger the storyline, move stuff around a little bit, but it all works and it works great for the animation. And the voice talent on that show is just epic. Like it's it may be my favorite voice cast outside of Master of the Universe Revelations because those two voice casts are like an epic battle to who's who in voice casting. Because, I mean, J.K. Simmons versus Mark Hamill, like, those are two goddamn talented actors, and they're both really good at voice work. 
And yeah, both those shows just have amazing voice talent. But yeah, I loved Invincible. I the only bad thing about it is that they can't get season two and three to me fast enough. And right. god damn it, they better do ten seasons. Because I want I want the whole thing. I want the Viltrumite War. I want the Scourge virus. I want the Space Rider. I want a bunch of shit y'all never heard of. It's fucking going to be so good if they give us that full show and it actually makes... If they end that show where they ended that comic, that will be probably the greatest animated show since Batman. Because Batman the Animated Series might still be the greatest cartoon ever made. But Invincible might challenge yeah. it if they do the full story of Invincible... And they could they could condense it down to ten seasons. I think we could get ten seasons of Invincible. They could do fifteen years of that comic. But if we get all of those main events, if all of those things, the major events that happen in that comic, if all of those happen animated with fucking kick ass music and vicious bloody fights and motherfuckers punching planets, if all of that shit gets happen happens in the Invincible cartoon, it will rank up there with one of the greatest cartoons ever made. I uh, fucking love Invincible. Two words, three syllables. Subway scene. <laughs> <laughs> and that was something that was redone in the show where you talk about the difference between adapting something. When you're doing a comic book, flipping the page is how you get your reveal. When you, you have something that's a reveal, it's got to be, you know, when you turn a page, bam, people see it. And you get, you know, that's how you get your shocks. That's how you get your reveals that work really well. And the fight as it happens in the comic book has nothing like that sequence that's in the subway, but that subway scene in the animated doing it animated and doing it with movement and seeing just the blood splatter. It works so good. And it's to show a character that's basically just, you know, completely helpless in a situation and having them used as a battery ram. Like it's so vicious and it works so well. That's how you adapt shit correctly. When you make Whoa. a change to a story, it should improve the story. I'm just saying, you go, I go, I went and watched The Stand on Paramount Plus, the new version that they did like three years ago, and they finally put it all on Paramount Plus, and it's nine hours long, and they added like 16 things, and none of it makes the story from the book better. None of it's even better than the original ABC miniseries. All their oh. additions are pointless. The only thing I was going to add is you said he used them as a batteran. Technically, the subway was the battering ram. He just <laughs> stayed still. Yeah, he just held still and let people splash. Yeah, him. yeah. the subway was the battering ram. <laughs> Fair That's enough. Yeah. I was getting at. Invincible was awesome. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think we'd all give it a ten out of ten. It's one of the. It's probably a perfect show. Hey, it's I mean, eleven it, out of ten because something else is standing up at attention for this show. Oh dear God. Hey, if it doesn't get that hard, what's wrong with you? <laughs> that show was that damn good. It will tease you and not in an erotic way. That's it was it's a it's a great show. You got anything to say about Invincible, Chris? I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not gonna try and counter what Willie said. Be, just <laughs> go with it. Fair enough. All right, number three, we go back to the MCU because they had to retell possible have to re well rewrite and retell the origin of possibly the most racist supervillain in all of Marvel comics. Yeah. That was actually, you know, back when, uh, created back when they would call people the yellow danger and you had characters called things like Fu Manchu. It was coming out of World War II. Let's be honest. 
in that day and time, it made complete sense. In this day and time, that's some racist shit. And oh, it was the Yellow Terror. That's what it was. The Yellow Terror. You had like, yeah, Yellow Claw and Fu Manchu. So some of the comics characters' origins, especially the old ones, World War II days, you know, it's all still fine and good to be punching Hitler on the cover of fucking Captain America number one. Not so fine and good for a certain character's dad to be called Fu Manchu. So when they sat down to give us Song Shi in the Marvel Universe, they had to rewrite his dad's origin. And we got Wen Wu, who is the leader of the Ten Rings, who is the baddest motherfucker on the planet for the last 2,000 years. And then we got an update to a supervillain that made him more powerful, more terrifying. We got the connection to an Iron Man film where we had a character called the Mandarin and the resolution of that character. And we got some of the best fight choreography since Captain America Winter Soldier on screen with a bunch of amazing fighters, a ton of super talented martial artists. And we got an, more additions to the mystic world of the Marvel universe. We got motherfucking dragons. We got a second dimension that leads to a third dimension where an evil fucking creature was hidden. We got soul sucking evil vampire bats and we got razor fist in a much better costume than what he had in the comics. Cause Woo, look up the original Razor Fist outfit. It's but basically he, just S&M gear. He's no Taser Face. I was about to <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, Razor no Fist and Taser Face. Are we... Yeah. It, was Taser Face from the comics at all, or was that just made up? I don't know. I think I that's know. a James Gunn character. It's oh, not, yeah, it seems like it would yeah. be. I just wanted to yeah. make a Taser Face joke yeah. off you. Oh, I was about to. <laughs> dude, I was this close. You yeah. jumped in just ahead of me, Chris. That's right. <laughs> I was like, Dad, did you say Taser Face? Taser Face? <laughs> <laughs> razor It'll fist strike oh god the people's I feel sorry for his girlfriend yeah razor fist yeah, yeah. oh yeah so yeah we got song she this year uh the girlfriend put it in like her top five mcus immediately i put it in my top 10 uh song she was just it's great simu lu was amazing playing song she the the character development they do over the course of one film is fantastic where you see him come to grips with his parentage having, you know, be half of his mom and half of his dad and knowing that, like, nobody's either pure good or pure bad. And the fact that they actually give Wen Wu freaking a reason for what he's doing. He is the villain of the film, but he's the villain of the film because he thinks he's rescuing his dead wife. Like, that's not bad reasoning for a villain. That's a fucking solid thing that someone would try to do if they thought it was possible. He's being lied to by a demon, basically, but he doesn't know that. And How many people you... gotta tell him, hey, this isn't yeah. what's going on before yeah. he's like, oh shit, maybe this ain't what's going on. Logic also, goes out the window, man, when it's yeah. some things. Yeah. With certain yeah, with certain things, logic goes out the window. And special, I mean, and he put the rings back on. And who knows what that does to your mentality. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, he had I those no rings idea. keeping him alive for two thousand years. So who knows what that does to his brain? Most humans' brains start to deteriorate after a certain amount of time. So he's got longevity based on alien tech. That's a whole bunch of weird shit. We don't know what that shit did to him. Well, we don't know what those rings are. In the comics, yes, but not in the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, it's still assumed that there's some type of alien tech at this point. Yeah, even, yeah, Wong doesn't know what they are. Like, Tony Stark doesn't know, or uh, Bruce Banner doesn't know what they say, are. Tony's but, a little dead. Yeah, Tony's dead. Well, see, <laughs> he still don't know what they are. He did. <laughs> Banner's only been in space for a little bit. That's true. And he spent half of it flying after getting, you know, sent. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man yeah. spent more time in space than Banner. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we don't. Well, oh, I mean, Ban- yeah, but Banner spent more time on a planet. That's true. 
other than Earth. Oh, well, I mean, there were five years of Peter's ashes on that planet. Uh, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't we, think you can count that time. That? Yeah, I don't think you can count that time. As uh, Hawkeye showed us, that that it happened in an instant for them. Stepping back a sec, Draftsman has corrected us. Taserface is from the comics. He was created and Aaron and, by Aaron and Jim Valentino and appeared in the comic book in 1990. So oh, Taserface nice. is a comic creation that James oh, Gunn that's adapted. Amazing. Yeah, Taserface. I didn't even know that was. I mean, don't put. I don't put it past Marvel. They have over. Yeah, I, I think it's like 120,000 characters in their IP library. Right. There's a whole lot of comic book characters that even I've never heard of. So. It does not surprise me that Taserface was there. But yeah, so Song She came out this year. It, yeah, it's in my top 10. I haven't put it, I haven't figured out exactly where it is in the rankings, but God damn, it was good. And as someone you know, that grew up doing martial arts, seeing martial arts done well on screen is always awesome. And, and you know, I don't want to harp on a, you know, beat an old dead horse, but Song She is everything that Iron Fist should have been. So go and watch a Corridor Cruise, a stunt team or a, crap what is it stunt performers or stunt artists react they had the two creative uh two members of the shang chi fight team come and break down the bus scene and a couple other scenes from the movie and it was fantastic they literally just sit on the couch breaking down how they did it going through the behind the scenes (laughs) and what their thought process was in developing the fights fascinating stuff i think it was on the stunt person reacts. I can't remember exactly the and full title. I also love the fact that you had the guy on the bus recording it saying, well, I did some martial arts growing up, so I'm going to try to like uh, judge this fight as it's going as fucking as he's like live streaming to YouTube. That was like, the, oh, same, the same guy that said, this day. do a backflip, Spider-Man. Do a backflip, Spider-Man. Yeah, do yeah. a backflip, Spider-Man. <laughs> same character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, that guy, yeah, he's 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 the new Stan Lee. He's taking all the, the small roles in the right. MCU. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how, what, did he move from New York to San Francisco? Apparently, potentially. San Francisco, right? Yeah, San yeah. Fran. Yeah, it starts in Frisco. Oh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Song was awesome. I, I don't know anybody. I mean, I'm not sure if everybody's got it in their top 10 for the MCU now, but I mean, I definitely do. And goddamn, that movie was entertaining. And it's been one that, of the Marvel movies that are on Disney+, Plus, which is you know, the majority of them, it's the one I've put on the most for like just background noise if we don't know what to watch. I just put Song She on because it's fucking enjoyable. It's fun. That's fair. It's it's heartfelt storytelling and it's just entertaining. Like it's just a solid, solid ass movie. And yeah, the way things end, ooh, they're gonna be able to do some cool shit with that character. I'm not gonna lie, I don't do top ten Marvel movies. I just like, are they good or are they not good? That's all. That's fair. Yeah. I just whenever I do a rewatch, whenever I do a rewatch, I actually just rank them as I'm watching them and just do the stack until I'm done. And I mean, I think homecoming was my number one last time I did the stack. And like Iron Man one, I think was right underneath it. Cause I think Iron Man one is a perfect film, but I think homecoming has the greatest villain scene in cinema. Michael Keaton talking to Tom Holland in the car, no costumes, no superpowers, just a guy realizing who he's talking to and then threatening a kid. That is I think that might be my favorite acting scene I've ever seen. Just Michael Keaton talking to Tom Holland in that car. That scene is amazing. Uh, two words for you, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I mean, I do like me. Some, I do like me some some goblin action. Yeah, you know, yeah. something of a scientist myself. Something of a scientist myself. Oh, I love well, that. Well, meme. We're not there yet. 
He's just referencing oh, no. a meme. I'm talking about 2002. Yeah, yeah well, I'm we live in about... meme culture, man. Yeah, that is true. Well, speaking That's of meme, meme culture, number two had, I think it's uh, had some memes, caused some memes, might have came out of a meme. But yeah, uh, one of the reasons we didn't watch uh, Witcher season two, we didn't start it uh, two days ago, because when we sat down to relax and watch something on Netflix the other day, we went, we had finished Wheel of Time, went to turn on season two of Witcher. And saw that they had dropped a brand new season four of Cobra Kai. Oh, I didn't know that was last, that. Yeah. And huh. over the last two days, me and Jana watched all of it. Nice. All 10 episodes burned. We watched eight episodes that day. And we watched two episodes yesterday in the morning where we get ready for my party. So, yeah, it's a 10 episode season. It's Eagle Fang plus Miyagi-Do versus Cobra Kai Dojo. It's another just amazing season of that show. They just keep with, you know, the great character development, the really fun, you know, the really fun uh, work that the kids are doing on that show. The writers are fantastic. Cobra Kai goes into my number two spot for the year because it's just amazing. That show at no point ever lets you down. It's always what you want it to be. They do the ridiculous 80s montages, the killer music. And then, like, they threw in some new shit this season where <laughs> Miguel actually learned some other 80s music from Daniel LaRusso. And then Johnny Lawrence is like, that's some pussy bullshit. You need to be listening to some good music. <laughs> like, it's just, it's ridiculous and amazing moment to moment. And it's another just solid season. Like I said, we tore through 10 episodes in less than two days. Like, we we just flew through it. And it's such a fun show. I mean... I don't know how much longer they can keep going with it with the the way it's designed to where it's all about it always comes to a head at the All Valley tournament which is supposed to be 18 and under and I'm pretty sure most of those kids now in the in the show are at least like 22 23 but you know it's also Hollywood you get a lot of 30 year olds playing high schoolers but yeah it's the, the main cast is just super talented I'm excited to see uh the kid that plays Miguel uh, I think his name's Zolo uh he's get, he gets to play the Blue Beetle in when they move on with the DC universe movies, they're going to do a blue beetle movie. It's going to be awesome to see him as Jaime Reyes. Cause that is a great fucking character. And Zolo's a great actor. Like you actually believe that this is a kid who wants to learn martial arts from Johnny Lawrence. And that's a hard thing to do. Like, especially for those of us that grew up in the eighties, that seems like an insane thing, but he's fucking great as Miguel. The character is solid. All the characters around him are really well written. And they, they, they make some big changes to the storyline this season where, as it's leading towards the tournament, you think you know who like the last two fighters in the ring are going to be, and there are some big fucking changes during the last two shows. You're like, oh shit, I did not see that coming. And there's some major, major changes that are really well written. It's a really solid cast. It's super fun. I just, I've never not enjoyed watching Cobra Kai. Like that show is just pure fun, and it's pure like '80s nostalgia. I love it. Fair. I still haven't seen any of it. I do Maybe want that. to. Haven't had a chance to, or just. Haven't had the opportunity to pop up like, huh, yeah, I got time. I'm just watching now. Oh, Cobra, it's so I good. I want to. The want is yeah. there. It's awesome. And then, yeah, the other weird thing is this season, because uh, I think they had almost two years off between the end of when they filmed season three and when they filmed season four. And so the kid that plays Anthony LaRusso, uh, Daniel LaRusso's son, went through a giant growth spurt to the point where it almost doesn't look like the same actor. Like, he's like a foot and a half taller Jeez. between the two seasons. Like, it's a huge change. <laughs> and, like, they make a point. Like, I think at one point they even, like, I think Johnny Lawrence even jokes. He's like, who are you? He's like, I'm 
Anthony. I'm Daniel's son. He's like, are you sure? Like, like he jokes about the fact that this kid looks so different now. It was supposed to be, you know, a couple months later. And in reality, I think it's two years later for the actors. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's such a fun show. Yeah. It's definitely one that you guys, if want, if you want something like heartfelt and fun to watch, it's a good one. It's right up there with the Mitchells and the machines. Netflix has got, you know, I got my Disney plus, I got my Hulu. I finished watching power, but it's like, oh, whatever I want to watch, like heartfelt shit, like Netflix has got it on lockdown. I keep finding the really good shit there. No, go to Hallmark. No, that's what Jana wants. She <laughs> loves them movies. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, does she have COVID? Because she has no taste. <laughs> oh. hey I see what you that's did there. Hard. All right. Oh, yeah, I like what Draftsman said. Yeah, Michael Keaton should play both Batman and the mirror evil version of Owlman because he basically does that as Vulture. I would, I would definitely, I would dig seeing uh, a Michael Keaton version of Owlman. That would be cool, which is basically just evil Batman. Like, that would be an interesting spin on that character. The, was it the Injustice Gang? And some good stuff. But yeah, so are we ready to talk to number one? Let's do number one, because Willie's got I, a heart out in 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not too hard to guess. But yeah, it's the last Marvel movie of the year, which was the ninth Marvel product of the year, which I thought was <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> when I listened to Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and talking about the fact that Marvel released nine TV shows and movies this year after the previous year where we had nothing. Like, we got a whole lot of fucking Marvel this year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. The, oh. the end of the Tom Holland trilogy. The fucking resolution of Mysterio giving up his identity at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. The the home com- the end of the Homecoming trilogy, I think is what they said they're calling it at Sony. Um, the ramifications for you know what we're going to get with uh, Doctor Strange and the Madness of the Multiverse. Because we get the multiverse introduced in this film. And we get a youth pastor and a funny skateboarder kid. Like the, it, I I don't know if the I don't know if there's anything they could have done in this to make it better. But I mean, full spoilers right now. Full yeah. spoilers for Spider Man No Way so Home. So here's your warning, folks. If yeah. you haven't seen Spider Man No Way Home, pause the podcast. When you've watched it, come back and finish the rest of it. We're going to go full bull spoilers now through now to the end of the show. So if you haven't seen it. And don't want to be spoiled. Please jump off now. All right. One of the things that people complained about is when they introduced Peter Parker, this Tom Holland, Peter Parker to the Iron MCU Boy Jr. was Iron Boy Jr. And we didn't see Uncle Ben die. And everybody's like, well, what the fuck? So he kind of said the responsibility thing, but then he didn't really. When he was talking to Tony Stark, it was kind of the same thing. And we never saw Uncle Ben die. We know his Uncle Ben died. We know that. Tom Holland maybe possibly tried to save him and he couldn't, but we don't know what happened. And so the whole time you're thinking, you know, over the course of but six, seven films that, you know, his uncle Ben is his uncle Ben, where we've seen different versions of this specifically in the spider verse. Gwen Stacy doesn't have an uncle Ben. She has a Peter Parker. Her Peter Parker was her uncle Ben. That was the character she tried to save and couldn't. They died. You got Andrew Garfield. They made it more where it was his Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy dying is the thing that made him realize he has to be a hero. And after almost seven films, we now get Tom Holland's actual moment. The death of Aunt May is his Uncle Ben. She drops the line on him. And what really fucking blew my mind, the original Peter Parker in the comics is basically greedy decides to try to make money with his wrestling abilities 
gets screwed over by the wrestling management and is angry. And when that guy gets robbed, he lets the robber run past him. So he has the ability to stop a criminal and doesn't. That criminal then kills his uncle. So he did something kind of shitty. And that leads to a person he loves dying. So in the comics, Peter Parker is based on guilt. He has always been a character based on guilt. He has felt guilty about not doing the right thing when he had the chance. And because of that, someone he loved died. So like there's been decades where in the Spider-Man comics, he's talking about no one else dies. Like literally Peter Parker's character has been driven to just save everybody. And it's kind of what also destroys his life because he's always trying to save everybody. There's no time for Peter Parker because he's got to be out there as Spider-Man saving the world. And now we actually get the resolution of Tom Holland's full hero identity is that he was actually doing something good and it still causes Aunt May to die. And while dying, she still tells him, you didn't do a bad thing. It's good that you made this decision. It's good that you tried to help them, but it's still going to cost you. And so I just love the fact that they actually give us Tom Holland's full origin now. And his Spider-Man is very different from the other Spider-Mans because he still feels guilt because Aunt May died. But it's not because he did the wrong thing. He was actually doing the right thing and the person he loves still died. That's a very different Spider-Man, which is fucking awesome. Thoughts? <laughs> really good movie. Tom Holland gets a lot to do in this to actually showcase that he's a pretty good actor. Oh. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. This is the most Spider-Man-like fighting that we've gotten in the MCU to date because he hasn't really fought a ton like Spider-Man in the previous movies that he's been in with a bunch of weird web swinging and bouncing off of walls and doing stuff. We got more Spider-Man style fighting and we got tastes well, of, yeah. Cause we got three Spider-Man. That's true. <laughs> I mean, but, but more what I'm saying is go back to like, say civil war. You don't really see what you expect the fighting style of a Spider-Man to be there so much. Peter's kind of sticking on a wall and shooting webs at people, but he's not really bouncing off the walls and doing a bunch of stuff like you would expect from Spider-Man and using his acrobatics like you would. He's more just there as a powerhouse, which granted Peter in the MCU, he's pretty physically strong. I mean, yeah, we're not exactly sure how high up on the scale, but he's Captain America plus strength, I would assume. Yeah. Well, and then also I think it's Very what we've stronger. seen for the characters. We've seen growth in using his abilities for combat. Yes. Where, he really like he swings in and catches a car and Tony Stark's like, wait, this is you like the, you know, the velocity on that's kind of insane. And like Peter Parker's smarts are there. And so like he knew how to save that car, but it didn't look cool. It wasn't like flashy. And like, as the movies have progressed, I think, and they've let Tom Holland's character get better at fighting the way Spider-Man fights in the comics to where, yeah, it's a whole bunch more bouncing around quick, you know, web, you know, web used to move, very fast, and yeah, it's not just a powerhouse trying to punch things. Right, so I enjoyed that the three movies that we got, plus his appearances and everything else, is effectively his origin story for the MCU, because the end resolution, which, spoiler alert, we're already in the spoiler territory, is yeah. nobody remembers Peter Parker, which basically means Spider-Man's anonymous again, which, yep. it's that Parker Instead luck coming Spider-Man into play. No more, we get Peter Parker no more. Yeah, Parker luck comes into play, so yep. everything kind of goes wrong for him, and I'm glad that they didn't have Peter just kind of try and fix it at the end by telling MJ and Ned everything. And I didn't expect that that would be the case. And I thought they played it off really well. So I'm curious to see where they go with it next. And I don't want it to be like, Hey, at the end of Dr. Strange or at the beginning of Spider-Man four, 
we're going to make it so that MJ and Ned remember again. I think that this is an interesting chance to kind of take this character out on its own without any support system and see what happens with him to turn it kind of what we've seen in the comics before, which is he's got to do all this on his own. He's going to be more street level now, arguably. I think we've got potential for some cool crossovers with the Kingpin and Daredevil Mm -hmm. and Kate Bishop and folks like that that exist in the New York superhero circle. That's going to be really interesting. I think we have the most movie or comic book accurate adaptation of the Spider-Man costume that we get at the end. Granted, it's all CGI with the vivid blue and red, not the muted blue and reds that we were getting in the previous costumes in the previous movies and things like that. Well, we don't know fully that was all darkened and you couldn't really see images up, but they're all brightened up. You can't really, I've seen the movie twice. It's noticeably a brighter blue. Well, yeah, oh, you yeah. are right. I'll yeah, give you a that. Very, right. It's a very right. bright outfit. Yeah, it looks yeah. very much like an Alex Ross painting versus a Steve that's Ditko drawing, which yeah. I still love the original Civil War suit because that's the closest we've gotten to Ditko on screen. Right. Like, other than the black arm bars, that was almost perfectly the original 1962 Steve Ditko outfit, which was just fantastic to look at. But it did still have muted colors, which, and I mean, in all fairness, in the 60s, printing wasn't that vibrant. But yeah, the new suit that we see at the end of the show very much looks like an Alex Ross painting in motion. Which the is suit awesome. that they've been putting in TV spots, which drives me crazy. It's in commercials, that new suit, because it shows yeah. them swinging by a Christmas tree. It's like, let's put this in commercials. I'm like, you fucking assholes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you know, people cutting trailers have been ruining movies for at least 10 solid years now. It's like, oh, the end resolution of the movie. Let's put that in the trailer. I think your trailer should involve nothing that happens outside of the first 15 minutes. I don't disagree. I think they've set up a really cool way to, if worst came to worst, not touch Spider-Man anymore and explain the fact that why there may not be much Spider-Man showing up the MCU. We know that's not the case. Supposedly they're working on another trilogy. They want to have Peter show up in other Marvel properties still based off of that deal is what Amy Pascal had mentioned. Uh, a couple of I mean, thoughts. Yeah, supposedly Holland bought or has been contracted for another trilogy. So, right. I don't want them to rush to do the black suit. The mid credits scene kind of teases the fact yeah. that black suits coming. I don't want them to rush and do that. Don't make that Spider-Man four. Don't even necessarily make Please. it Spider-Man five, but I bet you it's going to end up coming into play at the end of Spider-Man four or something Please. like that. Get a different writer than Venom, please. Well, yeah. I swear to God. Well, I well that writer. Yeah. the MCU's writers are still involved in things. Uh, I'm no, really I curious to see what other characters from Spider-Man mythos come into play. We're obviously not going to get a Norman Osborn because they said Norman doesn't exist in the MCU. Yeah. Oscorp doesn't exist. He couldn't find himself there. We're not necessarily going to get Otto Octavius as Doc Ock, but we could get, and I can't remember her name, so I'm just going to call her Lady Ock. Remember, oh, yeah, from uh, Spider-Verse. Yeah, from Spider-Verse or also from the Spider-Man comics because there was a woman who took over as Dr. Octopus when he was dead in the late 90s. So they could do something there. Someone who takes inspiration from what they saw on screen and adapts that. I want to see Black Cat come into play. We never got Black Cat in any of the other trilogies. She showed up in the video games associated with them. And supposedly Felicity Jones was on the hook to be Felicia Hardy in Amazing Spider-Man 3, were that going to happen? She was supposedly going to appear in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but I think they cut it or something like that. Felicity Jones, excuse me. I don't know why I said Hardy. Yeah. So, well, because Felicia Hardy yeah. is Black Cat's name. <laughs> so I think they've got a lot of potential for where they could go. The sky's the limit. I just don't want them to rush to try and undo what was done here, where they basically reset Peter 
to the closest yeah. we're going to get to a comic book version of Peter where he's out on his own. He's got to figure out college and the Spider-Maning and have no resources basically and decide between do I buy web fluid ingredients or do I pay my rent this month? Things like well, that. It's not exactly the closest to the comics. This is a Peter with zero support structure. It's true. And the comics, he at least always had Aunt May. When he's completely broke, he could go back and live with Aunt May. She Jesus feed him some wheat cakes. Christ, can you give him a break before telling him, hey, your Aunt May's dead again? Yeah, no, Aunt May's dead. Jesus, give but him yeah. five minutes, dude. But I'm saying, in the comics, he's always had a support structure, a supporting cast. This is a Peter Parker with zero supporting cast, which actually will be well, unique to see. because sort of. Because the Avengers don't know Peter, but they know Spider-Man still. They know Spider-Man, So yeah, Spider-Man that, is still a known quantity. That'll be weird to see how they do that. Yeah. Spider-Man, I guess, is technically still an Avenger because Tony Stark yeah. made him an Avenger. He they just him an Avenger. don't remember who Spider-Man is anymore. Yeah. Now, the real question will be how many people are aware of the fact that something doesn't make sense here that we don't know who you are anymore because... There's varying yeah. levels of superpowers that could not necessarily protect the mind, but kind of make people more aware that they've been manipulated. So say Wanda, who practices mind control of her own, is she going to realize her mind has been manipulated? The people who yeah. are off planet, did this spell only work on Earth? Did it span the entire galaxy? Is Carol Danvers going to show up on Earth and be like, hey, Peter did it, Parker? Yeah. Did it expand the multiverse like it's supposed to? Yeah. Because it, it should have, yeah. Multiverse? Because that's what stopped everybody coming through was it should have affected the entire multiverse, right? Well, no, it just affected our Earth because those were the conditions that were causing people to come over from the multiverse. Mm. So that condition okay. could no longer be fulfilled. So it broke that spell was my understanding. So, so I don't think it spanned the multiverse. This Peter Parker, Tom yeah, Holland. Yeah, this specific Tom Holland, Peter Parker was, was Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That's... Yeah. All right. I mean, why is that so hard? Why does that erase Peter Parker, though, is what I don't get. Because the spell was to erase Peter Parker. Strange oh, yeah. recast the spell. I thought he had to redo the original yeah, the, spell. No, no. Okay, the, spell the, the spell the he yeah. cast basically okay. countered the original one because the spell was everyone had to forget that he was uh, yep. Peter, and then he screwed it up. And this spell, the way to undo it was nobody remembers Peter Parker, but they all remember Spider-Man. Yeah, which think? I also love for the hero aspect of it because... Basically also counters the Iron Boy argument because Tony Stark did eventually do like Cap said in Avengers 1 and he laid down across the, the barbed wire to let the other guy climb over. He did the big sacrifice, but everybody knows he did the big sacrifice. There's nothing more egotistical than saving the universe by saying I am Iron Man and everybody was there to see it. Everybody knows Tony Stark saved the day. Nobody gives Hulk credit for bringing back half the goddamn galaxy. Or Natasha. Not a damn yeah, person. Or Natasha for committing, you know, the killing herself to give him the soul gem. Well, but the the resolution of this, you know, basically an event that's going to destroy the multiverse is that Peter Parker gives up everything. He's like, no, Literally. no one's even going to know who I am anymore. And so it's the biggest hero sacrifice we've seen in the MCU. Because, yeah, Tony Stark did do the sacrifice, which, you know, Cap said he'd never do. Like, that was the, the great switch from the first Avengers movie to the end Avengers movie. Is Tony ends up doing the sacrifice, and then Cap has to clean up the mess. And so he ends up, you know, they kind of do what the other one says they would never do, which is kind of great storytelling, great writing. But, yeah, we get a, a Peter Parker that's like, I'll give up everything I have if it means people are safe. And no one will even know I did it. Like, he's basically the biggest hero they've ever had, and nobody knows. Well, it's going to be interesting because 
Nobody remembers Peter Parker, but Doctor Strange is still going to remember the events at Liberty Island and that he cast a spell for Spider-Man, yeah, for instance. Yeah, but not so, who Spider-Man is. Th- there's yeah, a lot yeah. of there's flexibility in what this spell is actually going to mean. And if you've seen any of the interviews they've done with the writers, it's, hey, we kind of left that flexibility for the next folks who are doing things to yeah. figure out where it's going to go. So nothing is 100% set in stone for what this spell did. I mean, because one of the questions I had is, okay, can the magic be used to rewrite technology? So like would Friday, Stark's AI, forget that yeah. he's Peter Parker then? I don't know. Would the vision? Would Edith? Would Edith? Well, Edith was disabled at least, but because we saw that in the movie, that he'd lost access to Edith. When was yeah. that? When he was on the bridge looking for the woman from MIT, it was access to yeah. StarkNet was revoked. And if you looked at the GUI, yeah. it said Edith access unavailable or something like that on yeah, his uh, because, uh, goggles. Uh, uh, damage control. Yeah, damage control took away his access to all Stark everything while he was under investigation. It, they do explain it in the movie. Yeah. He lost That's access right. to everything Stark. So whatever Tony gave him access to, Parker can't access anything anymore. And he can't really yeah. go to Happy and be like, hey, I need these things. Unless I guess he's yeah. wearing the Spider-Man suit because Happy would remember that he worked with Spider-Man. So this is yep. this is where we're getting into that yeah. fuzzy ground of... Oh, I thought he worked for Spider-Man. Yeah, right? <laughs> but but with, this is, this is that fuzzy Spider-Man. ground we're going to have to play with in the MCU up until Spider-Man 4. And then in yeah. Spider-Man 4, they'll well, presumably have to delve at least a little bit into what's going on. Well, in Doctor Strange 2, we're going to find out what it actually means for the multiverse. Yeah, there multiverse may not be a multiverse. Yeah, there may not be a multiverse after Doctor Strange 2. There I, may be one singular universe. We I don't have think no clue that'll be doing. the case because they wouldn't have spent so much time basically in Loki creating the breakdown to create all these oh. different chains and stuff like that. Well, I don't know. They spent a whole lot of time to show us that Venom came to a diff- came to the MCU and then used another post credit scene to send him back. So that's because Sony made them. this was the deal to be able to use the character you build up some stuff and then you eh, 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 eh. so yeah i don't know it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what they do with by the time what the mcu looks like at the end of the second doctor strange the rumor going around and this is rumors is that venom exists in the same universe as the amazing spider-man and people were happy to see andrew garfield back so andrew garfield and eddie brock could interact there's a huge popularity push to to see Andrew Garfield get his third film. Like, there's a whole lot of the internet talking about wait, that guy wait, deserving a third Spider-Man film. Plus, oh, and the favorite meme I've seen were uh, have you seen the meme of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man as the cap as saying that I'm Captain now, but instead of Tom Hanks, it's uh, Robert Downey Jr. So mm-hmm. Tobey Maguire saying I'm the first MCU superhero now. This is canon. Because now Spider-Man One is the first MCU movie. Well, Tobey Maguire's part of the multiverse. Place in the forties, but you're talking about the current. But it doesn't matter. Mike, yeah. I want to go back to what you said, Chris. Are you <laughs> saying that Venom and Let There Be Carnage, both movies, take place in the Amazing Spider-Man? That universe? is what some people are that theorizing. Doesn't make sense because he'd never do who Spider-Man was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, this is just what the theory that's going around, and there's been some rumors that hey. Because of the positive reception to Andrew Garfield, they want to do more with his Peter. And hey, we can't necessarily... Because remember, Sony had signed a deal with Marvel and said that Peter was going to be appearing in Sony movies and was going to be appearing in the MCU movies. And we all assumed that meant Tom Holland. That doesn't necessarily mean Tom Holland is going to appear in both the Sony Spider-Man movies that they're making 
in the MCU. It could be they keep Tom Holland for the MCU side of things, and they bring back one of the old Spider-Mans to cross over with all these other things. I think that means they have to fix the Mobius part where he meets Michael Keaton. Right. So there's all sorts of weird shit going on, for lack of a better term. I'm not sure what's going to happen with it. It's fucking weird. And now Michael Keaton doesn't remember who Spider-Man is. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, guys, I'll have to see you next week. I have to have a heart out. You guys finish this up and add some curse words in my honor. Fuck yeah, we will. Well, that works too. That's what I'm talking about, <laughs> my boys. And that's it for Willie this week. All right. Yeah. No more Willie. It feels very strange. And I think I talked about this in post show. I'll throw this out there so that our audience can hear it too. If they're really committed to wanting to do more Spider-Man stories, uh, Peter too, Toby Maguire, Peter seems to indicate in the movie that he and MJ have kind of figured things out. They've kind of got a good life going back on his earth, but it took a while. I would love to see a live action adaptation of the story of Mayday Parker, the daughter of Peter and Mary Jane, who eventually becomes yeah. Spider Girls, then Spider Woman, I think it eventually changes to, but who basically takes the mantle, who is the lost daughter that never actually happened, I think is how they've kind of spun it after one more day in the comics that mm-hmm. the Spider Baby and the Spider Marriage never happened, which is kind of annoying because whatever. We've all I've made yeah. my thoughts known on one more day many times. <laughs> So I would love to see Mayday Parker come into play. And if you keep it in that Sony side of the house, they're not really going to be bringing it into the MCU. And you can use those characters from the Tobey Maguire movies. And there's a lot of backstory that could be filled in there. I did see in interviews with the writers, they'd said that Tobey Maguire specifically requested that they don't try and fill in too many of the gaps of what happened to that character after Spider-Man 3. He didn't want there to be a whole bunch of, well, I fought such and such and such and such and such and such. It was more, he wanted to leave that, the things happened, but he's not really going to talk about them in this movie, which kind of leaves that door open to go and explore those kind of things. Even if they go back and do a freaking animated version with these guys showing up in a different type of Spider-Verse movie, I'd be happy. It was, it was really cool to see them back and... Andrew Garfield, I thought was a good Spider-Man. I didn't care for his Peter because I felt like they made him too cool. And I didn't really care for most of the writing team on those movies, but I've never had a problem with him as the character, both Peter and Spider-Man. I just thought the writing team didn't do him very well. And I think we kind of saw that in this movie that when he had a solid writing team behind him, his version of Peter was amazing. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I always thought Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker was great and his Spider-Man was a little. mm, And I always thought Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Peter Parker on a skateboard. Like he's too cool. He's too good looking. Not not the Peter Parker. I mean, I'm used to still not a bad Peter Parker, just not what I'm used to. But then his quippy Spider-Man in the suit was so much more Spider-Man than they let Tobey Maguire be. And I actually one of the reasons I love Tom Holland is I think he hits both of those equally. And is great at both of them. I think he's he's nerdy and awkward as Peter, and then he's quippy in the suit to deal with the stress of the, being in life or death situations. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, my Tom Holland's still my favorite, but I love both. I love all three of them, but I love them all for different reasons with the characters. It's just like the Batman. Some some of them had a great you know Bruce Wayne. Some had a great Batman. Very few of them had both. Right. And some of them had neither. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I walked away from this movie. I've seen it twice now. I was very pleased with it. I liked everything they did with it. I thought it was great to see the returns of Willem Dafoe and, uh, oh my God, brain fart. I'm forgetting Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina I thought yeah. they were both Getting fantastic. And I thought it was great to see 
Alfred Molina's Otto Octavius redeem himself again. Yeah. Well, what they let him do with that character, the acting that Alfred Molina got to pull out in this film is just astounding. And the digital like, de-aging they did on both of those men yes. was very well done. And the Willem Dafoe stuff was great, too. It's like, yeah, we don't need a fucking mask. I love how the mask gets broken, like, almost instantly. It's like, no, we just want his creepy-ass face and a purple hoodie. <laughs> well, I get, I read some interviews that Willem Dafoe said he wouldn't come back unless they let him do, like, more than a glorified cameo. And he wanted to be able to do, like, his own stunts and things like that. So nice. that was good. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Plus, I mean, yeah, just it's Willem Dafoe. Why would you ever cover that face? You don't talk he's, about a unique face. Like he's dear so God. good in there. He's so expressive. He has a very expressive face, which is why yeah. I think it makes him a very good actor. But like seeing him flip that switch, both in the original Spider-Man movie and now between Norman and the Goblin, and like seeing a crazed Goblin going toe to toe fighting Peter in a hallway, and Peter is just smashing him in the face, and all he does yeah. is cackle in his face. Yeah, you're just like, like, oh, you wow, got nothing, kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah, is why you, super you had to take the mask off of him because you want to be able to have that. You, and you could get away with it if you had the masks like you could have in the comics, which I know you can't, which is effectively yeah. just a mask that still allows people to emote. There's no yeah. mask technology that's going to do that at this point in time. So unmasking him was the best thing to do. And it was just let oh, Willem sure. Dafoe do what he wants with that character because he still understood the dynamic between... Well, the dynamic established, let's put it this way, in that movie between Norman and the Green Goblin. We've kind of gotten away from that in the yeah. modern comics where the Goblin and Norman are basically one and the same. We don't have two separate beings like we used to in the earlier run of the comics where yeah. the Goblin yeah, would effectively not, take yeah, over. Yeah, he's not a split personality anymore. I think it's just, and now I think isn't the Goblin permanently cured post Red Goblin? For I now, think. but you know they're going to undo it because everyone loves yeah. Norman Osborn as Peter's greatest enemy. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I do. I love Dr. Octopus, but yeah, especially if you've kept up with the comics over the last couple of years, like, there's nobody worse for Peter Parker than Norman Osborn. I mean, even go back to when they brought him back to life in the late 90s. Norman Osborn yeah. was the perfect foil for him. Or even Harry Osborn as the Goblin was a great foil for him also. Yeah, yeah. the the Osborns are always always there to, to fuck things up. Yeah, ain't that the truth? <laughs> So I yeah, was really um, pleased with that. They gave, so but they gave all of those villains that return with the exception of the lizard, really a chance to do more yeah. with that character. I felt like they didn't get a lot of time to have a, I'm going to screw up his name. Reese, Rice, Reese, Reese on set but to yeah. do things. So I felt like they left a lot of it to the guy in the mocap suit. And then when they reverted him back and they didn't give him much to do. Yeah. Cause I was listening to one of the, I think like the tested podcasts and they were saying something like Reese Fonz and uh, Thomas Hayden church shot. No new footage that literally all the stuff that you see of them is excess footage from okay. Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3, and then they just did uh, ADR. Okay, makes all sense. They, all those guys actually did was go into a booth, record new lines, and they were done. I mean, that would Apparently, make sense, yeah. because you only all, see yeah, human... Sandman footage, and then, yeah, you get yeah what what one shot of Reese Fawns. And human. one of Thomas Hayden Church, basically. Yeah. Yeah, supposedly that was all footage that they already had for yeah, Amazing Spider-Man Three and Amazing Spider-Man Two, and all they had to do was ADR. I just assumed they de-aged them, like they had the other guys. Uh, let me see, Draftsman in the chat room. I apologize, I missed your comment. Draftsman stated, "The truth of the matter is that a lot of people forgot the light touch you have to have to set up the Spider-Man stories, and then comes the devastating ending, threats to the world or New York." Yeah, yeah, 
Spider-Man's got to have some comedy in it. He's very street level. Spider-Man's not supposed to be like fighting Thanos all the time or fighting with the Avengers all the time until we get into more modern continuity where Spider-Man was like Logan and he was in every incarnation of the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. And you're like, dude, this this isn't the character really. Let him go back and do... When you you do get it and you get web punch, web kick, web swing, (laughs) it was awesome. Yes, I don't... It was Tom Holland just punching and kicking a basically a cosmic god like he wasn't gonna beat him up but mcu spider-man worked like that because they basically brought him into that at the very beginning yeah. he wasn't really a street level hero yeah, other than he, just kind of hiding behind the scenes that's how we yeah, kind of had this yeah. reboot he was street level until tony stark showed up at his apartment right and now they've kind of rebooted that to be well yeah. tony stark helped spider-man for a while and now he wasn't helping him because he's dead and we worked with spider-man but Things are fuzzy. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was a delightful movie. I think it sets up some really interesting stuff going forward. And like I'd mentioned, it also set things up so that if for some reason Sony and Marvel slash Disney couldn't come to a deal to keep working together, you could kind of just end things here. And there's kind of a reason yeah. at least. It is where, a great ending point if yeah. they do have to stop, which would suck, but it would be a solid ending. Point. I'm sure the ending yeah. of the movie would have been slightly different had they not already agreed to do something different. More than likely. Yeah. But, but yeah, I do love the idea that this point going forward, it's like, okay, Parker might have tech, but if he does, it's going to be Parker tech. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be stuff he got from the richest guy on the planet that just handed him tech. Yeah. Or, you know, he got to fly around in his jet and build a new suit with the world's smartest 3D printer. It's like, no, he's got a sewing machine and his soldering iron. And his so, web shooters and a cell yeah. phone with a uh, police scanner on it. Yeah, yeah, and a cell phone with a police scanner app. Yeah, it's yeah, it's some you know day one Spider Man or what do they call it year one Batman like when he's originally yeah. training. It's like year one Spider Man. It's I mean it's like all right, we're it going is, back it to basics because at least he's got some competence when it comes to how to use his powers and stuff at this point. In time oh yeah, because yeah, he's, we're he, talking. Yeah, he's a much more competent fighter and tactician. Yeah, he's had three but, or yeah. four years of being Spider Man before yeah. he kind of got reset to a Spider Man with no support system. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to plus. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. If they did nine more Spider-Man films with Tom Holland, I'd be happy. I just I love I would be actor. happy, he's but my I, favorite Spider-Man. I hope for Tom Holland's sake that he's getting to do some other stuff because Uncharted is he's got Uncharted. Yeah, Uncharted's coming. gonna suck though, dude. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. It's it's Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg in an action film. It's going to make $800 million guaranteed and get two sequels. All I'm saying is I hope that Tom Holland gets a chance to scratch that itch to do other things and isn't just constantly locked into, hey, you've got to stay in Spider-Man shape to do everything here. Because I'm sure that that alone is a lot of work to stay in the right shape and flexibility to do that. Like I was reading, watching an interview where he was talking about, yeah, this this movie is a lot tougher because it's in the suit a lot more all the time. He goes, so I'm constantly having to stretch my muscles and like my groin specifically because the way Spider-Man always lands, he goes, <laughs> and it's never quick. And he goes, previously, I was always wearing the mask. So like I could be behind the mask and be like, oh my God, this hurts so much and have my face <laughs> all scrunched up. And and now without the mask on, I've got to just kind of sit there and be like, oh, don't grimace. Look cool. Look cool. <laughs> Look cool. And I mean, I was like, that's a cool, that's an interesting point. <laughs> I, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of what he said here, but that's uh, yeah. effectively and what yeah. it was. He is, he is getting older. I mean, like, he's yeah, what, 24, Spider-Man 25 now? Easy. These are got to be... He's, yeah, I think he's 24 or 25. There's a lot of physicality that goes into this. And as much as Tom Holland may love the character of Peter Parker in Spider-Man, I'm not sure that he wants to be remembered as Spider-Man for his entire career. 
you kind of want the chance to do some other things mm-hmm. too. So I hope that he gets those opportunities to do some other things too. And isn't always just moving from one Spider-Man movie to the next kind of the same way. Chris Evans was kind of like, I, th- I think I kind of want to be done yeah. being Steve Rogers. And I want to get into directing uh, and doing different movies wow. and things like that. So Tom Holland was born the month before I joined the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. Uh, he was born in 96. So he will turn 26 this year. He's 25. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, if he has three more Spider-Man films, he's going to be Spider-Man until he's 30. Three more Spider-Man movies, yeah. plus appearances in the MCU. Yeah. Plus possible MCU Presumably MCU. in the Avengers movies, if they do yeah. more of those and things like that. Although there's a rumor right now that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness may not lead to the Avengers, but may lead to the Defenders, which could be interesting. That's True. rumors and again, speculation. I have no spoilers backing any of that up. There's been a whole lot of different versions of the Avengers too, though. So that's true. It's not like we don't need the Captain America Avengers or the Iron Man Avengers. I think they're looking strong version of the Avengers. They're looking strong at young Avengers right now with the characters they're introducing with Kate Bishop, America Chavez showing up in multiverse of madness. And you could in theory have Spider-Man who is young as well. That is kind of like, Holy shit. I've kind of got to lead these guys because none of these guys know what they're doing or something like that. And, we know Scarlet Witch is in the Multiverse of Madness, so Speed and Wiccan showing up, not impossible. Yep. Like, those two kids could come back from the reality she birthed them from in the first place. There's a lot of potential for where they can go from here, and I'm really excited to see where they go with it. I think we all are. I just... I don't want them to move too fast. That's still my concern is if they go immediately to the black suit and they go immediately to undoing what happened in Spider-Man No Way Home, I feel like that kind of loses some of its significance. Yeah, I I hope almost nothing gets undone. Like it should be, yeah, Peter on his own for at least three films. If you want to undo it, the end of Spider-Man 6 is when... Yeah. When you try and fix that so that Spider-Man or so that Tom Holland Spider-Man can get his happily ever after of some kind. Yeah, which would be cool. And yeah, there's no saying he still can't show up to Avengers-level threats. He just doesn't take the mask off. And they've had that in the comics where literally it's been like a running joke where there'd be an Avengers like poker tournament. Yep. And they're all at Avengers Tower playing. Everybody's out of costume except for Spider-Man. Yep. He's literally hanging from the ceiling, holding his cards in his hand, eating chips with his mask partially down. And they're like, why is your mask still on? He's like... I have people I'm trying to keep safe. I can't let even you guys know who I am. And, and one last uh, thought I have coming out of all of this. Uh, John Watts did this trilogy. Dude's going to kill it on Fantastic Four because he's oh, also yeah. directing Fantastic Four. The dude is going to kill it on Fantastic Four, and I'm really excited to see what yeah. he does. And I'm excited to see. I don't know that he's necessarily going to come and do another three Spider-Man movies. If he wanted to, I'd be cool with that. But I'm curious to see who else gets to play in the Spider-Man sandbox. When it's all true. And done. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how they bring in the FF because I mean, the, the crashing multiverse at the end of Spider-Man, no way home could have been a way to bring in mutants. It could have been a way to bring in the FF, the negative zone. Like there's all sorts of stuff that could have. And instead they stopped it. It's like, okay, well now then at some point we know mutants are coming. We know the FF's coming. We just don't know how they're going to arrive yet. So it is very interesting. I mean, the only rumor that I'm kind of weirded out by is I keep hearing the rumor of Seth Rogen is the thing. And I really don't want that. I hadn't heard that one, but I don't want that either. I yeah. don't know that Seth Rogen would necessarily want to do that because he has a lot of respect for these kind of things after, you know, yeah. show running himself. I think he'd yeah. kind of like, and I don't know if I'm the right fit for this. It's like, yeah, we're going to do it so nobody else screws it up. The only thing is like the voice. Okay, fine. But th- you still got to show me like early scenes where he's an, I have to believe him as a test pilot astronaut. Right. Eh, 
I mean, but the Marvel method, man. Yeah, Marvel method true. works. And I'm not, don't take this disparagingly. It's not meant that way. Look at Kumail Nanjiani from the beginning of uh, Silicon Valley to after he hit yeah. the Marvel method. Like, well, no, it's between seasons three right. and four. He shows up jacked and nobody mentions anything. Right. And That's I don't. The funniest thing about that show is that he gained 60 pounds of muscle from the looks of it. And they don't mention, they still treat him like Dinesh. Right. Like he's the like he's the weakest guy in the room. And I don't say that to be like, oh, Kumail Nanjiani was just a weakling, skinny, scrawny little dude. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. Dude was probably in pretty good shape for what he needed to was, be at that point in he time. He was just a normal guy. But yeah. when you get into the Marvel method, and he's talked about in interviews, they can structure your diet perfectly to do things. You can have the time to do workouts. You're given personal trainers. Oh. They can, with time and that money get people into whatever shape they need to be for those movies. Yeah. And I mean, and we've seen the workout videos from Hemsworth, from Brie Larson, from Robert Downey Jr. Yep. And folks like that, these folks put in a crap load of money to get their, or excuse me, time rather to get their bodies sculpted, to look like superheroes. I mean, Hemsworth, especially some of his workouts are insane. And he turned that into yeah. an app of like, here's how you do the Hemsworth out yeah. workouts. And, and then he had to put on a fat suit. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? He probably got to enjoy that a little bit because he's like, I don't have to hit the gym as hard right now. Because... Well, no, he, still had, he still had the guns, though. Yeah, he still had the guns. Even Brothor still had the guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that... so funny. Yeah, he did all that workout, and then they put him in a fat suit. He was cool with it by all accounts, though. I'll bet, yeah. It was probably a couple of weeks of not having to eat just chicken breast and brown rice. He probably yeah. got a couple of cheeseburgers in there and didn't didn't have to worry so much about it. I mean, Hugh Jackman said part of the reason he wanted to stop being Logan is while he enjoyed doing the character, he didn't know if he could keep getting to that physical peak to play the character. Well, and the worst thing with, with Jackman, he got in better shape every progressive movie. Like he literally like looked younger. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it was not just that he got in Wolverine shape. He got in a better Wolverine shape every time he played Wolverine. That's scary. It's because he started working with The Rock. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Started working with The Rock. Like you said, you know, they learned, you know, that Marvel method and getting better and better at, like, specifically saying if this person eats these foods and does these workouts, they will basically lose all of their body fat and they will look like an actual superhero on screen. But the thing is, it's hard to get that. It's hard to sustain that. Yeah. Not everyone can be like The Rock. Every day on set. Yeah. When you're sitting around doing nothing in between takes. Yeah. Not everyone can be like The Rock who brings his iron paradise, as he calls it, with him everywhere he goes for yeah. movies and things like that. Because that's what it takes to keep looking like that. And that, again, yeah. is as you get older, harder and harder to sustain and harder and harder to do. So I it's, get it's, where some of these guys are like, yeah. nah, man. Nah. Yeah. Even <laughs> for out. the millions, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome to see how just scary Black Adam looks. Because, yeah. yeah, The Rock's probably in the best shape of his life, and he's, what, almost, 50. like, he's 45? Is I think he 50 he's 50. Now? Okay. So, yeah, so he's, he's 50 years old, and he's possibly in the best shape of his life. That's scary. Like, yeah, Black Adam's going to be, woo. I'm so looking forward to that one. Uh, oh, did we want to quickly he's... hit on the rumor, though, about the, the, D, the DCEU that I saw earlier? Yeah, we can do that real quick. The Rock is 49. He'll turn 50 in May. Okay, so he's almost 50. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah, he's in amazing shape. Shit, Ryan yeah, Reynolds yeah. is 45, it says on here. Yeah, and it, it's crazy how good some of these people take care of it. But they, you know, like you said, if your job is to look good on camera, mm-hmm. you know, your diet and exercise is the main part. Of, it's part of your job. But yeah, I, know, I, I woke up to a bunch of the rumors on Twitter and a bunch of people bitching because apparently, I don't know who it is, this uh, this account, somebody at, at my time to shine H, so it's my time to shine hello. Apparently, they put out a tweet 
says, I don't usually tweet about DC stuff, but I have, because they spelled have wrong. So right there, I'll tell you how much, you know, stock you should put in this tweet. I have a friend who have seen The Flash, and the movie will erase every movie Snyder has done. Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League never happened now. Erase from continuity, Affleck and Cavill are both gone. But apparently a whole bunch of, like, the comic book news sites are running with this theory. So... It seems like it's just one tweet with no corroboration, but it's definitely it's not beyond the scope of possibility that the Ezra Miller Flash might just reset the entire DCEU. It kind of goes in line with some of the rumors we'd heard and the fact that they're having contract disputes when Cavill was open to coming back, but they're having issues working out the contract to do it. So that's one way to get your way out of it is use something that would reset continuity and then of course there's also the snyder verse folks like that's oh, okay because they're just gonna like, give Zack snyder his own series on hbo max and continue telling stories with those characters i'm like i don't know about that dude but keep telling yourself that i don't is know is it wrong that i kind of want the snyder verse to go away just hoping that the snyder verse release the snyder cut fans will go away that's <laughs> kind of the thought that i have because I, if they want to reset things that's fine do it that way but they can't keep flip-flopping back and forth between we want to have continuity between all these movies and build our own universe to we're just going to tell independent stories that are loosely connected that do things You're to... talking about DC, the company that's reset their own comics continuity right. over five times. But it, it, I understand that. But it's a tougher <laughs> sell in the movie side of the house when people are, are rightly or wrongly going oh. to compare it to things like yeah. the Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Star Wars and Star Trek ones, even though Star Trek just did a reboot a decade ago, things like yeah. that when it came to movies. You, you got to be careful how many times you keep changing the rules for your movies before people are just like, the fuck? What are you guys doing? I'm confused. Yeah. And maybe I have a different perspective because I'm a comic fan. That's entirely possible. Then maybe that colors yeah. my opinion a little bit here. But if, if you're going to do it and make that move, this is the time to do it. Do I necessarily believe it when it's one person on Twitter who has talked about it and everyone has picked it up because it's a slow news time right now because it's the beginning yeah. of the year? No, but it's good It's good material to generate clicks. Let's put it that way. They're going to get a True. crap load of clicks as people go in there to talk about restoring the Snyder Cut and things like that. And I did like this on the CBR article. It says, Man of Steel might no longer be considered canon in the DCEU, but it was recently announced that two characters from the film will appear in The Flash as well, including Michael Shannon's General Zod and, I'll probably get the name wrong, Ansha Trous, uh Feora Ull, as well as Sasha Kale uh, making her debut as or L for Supergirl. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so we might get three Kryptonians in the Flash movie, which I'm still, I'm not convinced this movie is going to be made. So the other tweet I'd seen going <laughs> around, which I think might be the same one I can't remember is, oh, this is our Trinity now. And it's before and after picture. The before is like Cavill, Gal Gadot, and Ben Affleck in costume. And the after is the new Supergirl, Gal Gadot, and the new Batgirl, like all shown mm. in a trio. And I'm like, I don't know that it's necessarily that. But let's be honest, they're not going to, I don't know what they're going to do because they're also re basically rebooting Batman at the same time too. Yeah. And I mean, the rumors are we're getting the, the Michael Keaton continuation of the 89 Batman in the flash movie, but then he's going to be a version of that. That's old man, Batman and Batgirl in, in the new Batgirl where Batgirl is basically going to be the Terry McGinnis character from Batman beyond. So, I mean, Good for Michael Keaton. 
More Michael Keaton's always a good thing. Yeah, just like, do Batman Beyond and let Batgirl be its own thing. Don't take Batman Beyond's I mean, story and give it to a different character. Yeah, because that, that gonna, annoys me a little the, bit. At and the before end of that, they got to find out she's a genetic clone of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> and before people start sending their hate messages, and it's not because oh, I don't, I don't want it to be a movie about a girl. It's no, just don't take someone else's story and give it to someone else. That's more of what it is. And maybe I'm a little sensitive exactly. to it because Terry McGinnis is one of my favorite characters in the DC universe. Yeah. Well, plus it's it's been like there's ways to do it and there's ways to do it right. You don't make Peter Parker black. You go create Miles Morales. Yeah. It's very simple. You don't take something and change it to what you want. You make your own fucking thing and make it awesome. The reason Miles Morales exists is because Brian Michael Bendis created that character. It was like, I'm going to make a version of Spider-Man, not a version of Peter Parker, mm. a version of Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it can be done right. It can be done in an awesome way. Like, it's, you know, a good writer makes a huge difference. Miles Morales is now, you know, a Spider-Man that a lot of kids know about. Yep. My poor guy, Miguel O'Hara, has been shit on. The first half Spanish Spider-Man. Poor Peter David. He created the first half Spanish Spider-Man and nobody remembers. But no, you're not wrong. He's going to show up in Spider-Verse 2, so I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's yeah, a lot no. of stuff coming. I just figured it'll piss Willie off because now I can tell him that his Man of Steel movie doesn't even count. I mean, it never counted. So, since Willie's not here, I'll just say it for him. Fuck! Shit! There you go. <laughs> now now we've we've channeled our inner Willies to talk about this one. Indeed. Well, I figured it would be brought up if we talked anything Snyderverse, so. I don't know. It, just, it's, it seems wrong to me where if the first story you're telling with the Flash... Okay, Flashpoint was a great cartoon, great comic. But when the first story you're telling is the biggest mistake the Flash ever made, going back and saving his mom, which creates an alternate universe that's even worse. That's the first Flash movie you want to do? The first movie is a is a continuity reset. That's where you want to start. You don't want to start with the origin of him getting his powers, and then, I mean, well, this is not even like a, a version of the Flash that was ever in the comics anyways. So you have the weird autistic Flash cave, this version of the Flash, but like you don't want to give him an origin... You don't want to do a story where, you know, he, like as Kevin Smith says on the TV show, he's a boy that saves the day by running fast. You don't want to let him run fast and say something. He's like, no, we're going to start with him going back, saving his mom and wrecking reality. Like, that's the first story you're going to tell in the movies with The Flash? So the that thing just is, seems like a bad idea from the get-go. They can get away with at least not having to do origin stories and things like that right now because The Flash has already been shown off in Justice League. But more importantly, there's been a series on TV for, what, eight seasons already? Yeah, so, the good Flash. Well, I don't, I don't the, dispute that. And I the had, actual combination of Barry Allen from the comics and Wally West from the comics, where they made the Grant Gustin Flash, is basically both of them. Yes, and I don't. He's got Wally's quips and Barry's brain. Yes. <laughs> so what I'm saying here is, you can sort of get away from it because the story's been told, just like sort of the same, but it's also different with Spider-Man. We didn't need another origin for Tom Holland because we'd seen it so many goddamn times already. Same yeah. thing, like arguably for Batman, we don't need to see his origin story again. We all know my parents are dead. That's true. It's Batman. Uh, we, I'm pretty sure before I die, I'm going to see Martha and Thomas Wayne get shot at least. I'm guessing 20 more times. Probably. That's my guess. Probably. If I make it to 90, they'll die at least 20 more times. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see where they go. That I don't necessarily believe the current rumors about the state of the DC expanded universe. Or let me put yeah. it this way. I don't believe it based off of one tweet that everyone's taking and running with. True. 
Because, yeah, this is definitely apparently a slow news day. But, yeah, it was funny to wake up and just see a ton of shit about it. I was like, wow. And then I looked, yeah, I looked at the CBAR article, and it's all based on one tweet with no cooperation. And the tweet has multiple grammar errors in the first sentence. Yeah. Like, that right there just tells me it's probably not real. <laughs> so you couldn't even get your sentence right. Eh, you probably don't know what you're talking about. Be interesting to see, though. Then again, like I said, until I actually, like, until film rolls in the theater, I'm not even sure this Flash movie exists. This is, like, the what, the seventh, eighth director they've had on this movie? Ezra Miller's been caught on film choke-slamming, you know, uh, fans. Like, I, I'm not even sure they're ever going to make this movie. Yeah. I don't care that they showed a teaser trailer. I'm still not positive that's from this movie. <laughs> I don't uh, dispute that, that. That may just be something that someone put in the Matrix for me to believe is real. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have gone super long because we did an hour and 50 minutes on this second yeah. version, and we were already 20 minutes in on the version before we had technical <laughs> issues that are going to get combined. So we're going to power through and do a very quick version of what I'm into and then sign off because it's been a long day, and I'm hungry. I'm really hungry, and I want to go upstairs and get oh, some food. Yeah, I need, so, some, I need some coffee and some food. So I'm going to power through real quick what I'm into. Uh, Christmas stuff, got to go see Spider-Man twice. Been watching a variety of things on TV. Almost caught up on Young Justice. And then uh, I did buy more comics. I only brought two down with me that I'll show mm. off here. But uh, if I can get CGC or CBCS books for cheap, I tend to do it. And this first one I got for like 50 bucks. It cost 70 to slab a book, so I'm okay with that. And it's kind of a little speculation because, you know, Book of Boba Fett just came out this week. So mm, I got okay. uh, Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters number one. Boba Ooh, Fett cover with the Boba Fett. Nice. Boba Fett slabbed uh, nine point eight with the gorgeous Steve McNiven pencils on the cover. Oh, that's a McNiven. That's one? a McNiven. Nice. So uh, yeah, all right. It's McNiven variant. So I was totally on board with that, and I love all of his work. And this is supposedly an homage to Moon Knight number fifty-five with its cover. Very cool. But yeah, McNiven's just oh, that boy does pretty pretty artwork. Yeah, and the other thing I picked up, and if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you might have seen it already. I spent a little more than I wanted, but I still got a good deal on it. <laughs> it is a CGC signature series, 9.4 graded, signed by three men, John Shooter, Jim Shooter for the story work, and Mike Zeck and John Beatty for the artwork. It is Secret Wars number two, 9.4. Sorry, there's a glare because of my lights. Yeah. CGC graded and signed by all three of them. Nice. I'm trying to remember what happens in issue two. I don't know, but I love the cover on issue two is mostly yeah, why the, I picked this one up because it's got Magneto. It's pretty much got like all the major players in the Marvel universe at that point in time around them. It's very early nice. on. And I think it's, I think it's even prior to the X-Men joining up with most of the rest of the superheroes in there. Uh, it's still the gathering of teams. I guess. I think this is when Magneto kidnaps the wasp. No, maybe that's oh, okay. later on. I can't remember. Hmm. It's and been a while since I've read showed, it. Yeah, I was trying to remember when you said that. Kyle. I was like, "What happened in issue two? I was trying to remember which one, because I think it's like it's not till like issue what seven or eight that Parker gets the black suit, right? Right. And I think it's eight, Wars I think. eight is the cover where he's yeah. standing there in the black suit. Yeah, it's an iconic. It's like, I know that's the one I want. <laughs> I want to own a copy of that at some point in time. I don't want to necessarily have a CGC graded or high value one. I just want to have a copy of it to say I do. I just yeah, never picked one up. That's like I have a Hulk 181 that I got on sale and the guy, cause I was working at captain at the time. So the owner Corbett gave me a really good deal on it. I think I paid $70 and it's a uh, very good. So it's not, 
It's not in fantastic shape, but I own a Hulk 181. That's all I wanted. So that Secret Wars book, I paid over $100, but less than $150. let us just leave it at that. So right, I, I didn't right. do too bad. When you think, figure <laughs> in the fact that the book itself is that high graded, it's signed by those three men, and it's CGC slab. Yeah, and it's CGC. Yeah. So yeah. It's, not and it's not bad. I'm not one of those people that's proponent of collect-only CGC stuff. I have some frames in my house that are purposely designed to hit CGC sl- or designed to fit CGC slab books. And this is mostly so I can hang it on my wall and look at it and be like, holy shit, I can't believe I have this. And nice. I was a little depressed at the time, so I bought some comics to feel better, I'll be <laughs> honest. But uh, that's the book, what I've been getting into, because we're trying to keep it short to shut things down. What about you, sir? Uh, got some books. I got a Star Wars book of lists from mm-hmm. uh, the soon-to-be father-in-law was part of my Christmas presents, and some wrenches, which I actually specifically asked for crescent wrenches. I got ones that are open in on one side and ratchet on the other, so they're nice, gorgeous. Um, yeah, we did a kind of a late Christmas, early birthday here since we had my buddy and his two kids, uh, come over yesterday. And so they got their Christmas presents late from, from me and Jana. And then, uh, they gave me birthday presents. So I got a mix of birthday and Christmas. Uh, I got the bro Thor Lego set. So it's him hanging out with Corrigan Meek in like the trash department, which is just lovely. And, uh, is noob master 69 making an appearance. I don't know. There's a sticker on the TV, so I don't know if it actually shows like lettering or not. <laughs> but I mean, technically, you have the TV, and there are little tiny Lego controllers. Nice. So yeah, I mean, it is that scene exactly. So yeah, it looks awesome. Uh, my buddy also gave me uh, the first beer sign I've gotten quite a while. One of the actual Blizzard World of Warcraft like collectors limited edition Blood of the Horde, which is awesome and works for me because yeah, for the Horde, motherfuckers, fuck the Alliance. And yeah, it literally has a pewter top. Like it's it's fantastic and just just pretty as hell. I don't think I'll be drinking anything out of it, but it is damn pretty. Got a cake, uh, got the Legos, got the little mini figs, got the Masters Universe stuff, and then um, yeah, the girlfriend had to just you know kick everybody's ass because Janet gives the best presents. And yeah, I I you know video games are probably gonna take a little bit of a backseat this year because once I get done unpacking. I'm building up the garage, buying power tools. I want to start making stuff again. And I want to start working on my artwork. So, like, I started a new art book yesterday. Uh, actually, when we're done here, I'll probably eat and then go do my sketch two because it's 66 days in a row of 66 sketches to kind of help you rebuild the drawing habit. So, I'm going to work on that. And then for making stuff in the garage, you know, it's always kind of nice to have, like, protective gear and stuff. So, not only did I get protective gear, but I got a signed... So that is the Adam Savage signature on the Adam Savage Savage Industries apron, which, yeah, you open this sucker up. It is absolutely gorgeous. Like the pockets are in leather. It's got the Savage Industries tag. Like it actually wraps around your legs as, you know, spots to hold tools and stuff. It's all done in leather and a thick, thick ass canvas. And yeah, she got me a signed. Oh, yeah. It has on the back of the harness. It's awesome. It actually has it stamped into the leather. Let's see if I can get it on camera to where it's legible. But it actually has Savage Industries stamped into the leather. And oh, nice. You kind of see it. Yeah, you yeah. can sort of see it. So yeah, it's stamped on the back of that. Yeah, so I have, when I you know finally get the garage completely empty and can start working out there, I have an actual maker's apron now from Adam Savage to go out and wear. And you know the, the whole plan is to basically ruin this as fast as possible <laughs> while making shit. That means you're doing yeah, work. That's what, exactly. That's what it's for. I think, yeah, he, I think he put it on the show. He was talking about, uh, like, his favorite thing is, like, a lifer tool, uh, a Leatherman. I always call them lifers. That's what they're called in the Navy. 
Um, but yeah, a Leatherman tool, and he like he got a a unique one from a his one of his buddies at NASA that was like one of a hundred. So there was only a hundred of them made. It's actually got the white plastic NASA logo on it. Comes in a white leather pouch, and he says, "And I will use this the appropriate way, and I will destroy it." It's like I will use this until it doesn't work anymore, yep. and that's how you actually show that you love a tool is you use it until it dies. And yeah, so I will be ruining that apron. Because I am so goddamn happy my girlfriend got me that. Like, my head exploded yesterday when I opened that box. I'm like, this is everything I want. She got me Skelegod and the apron. I'm a spoiled boy. It's it's ridiculous. And ruining tools being the right way to use them is why we all bought Craftsman tools before Sears went away. Because if you ruined a regular hand tool, you took it in and said, I need a replacement. And you got a new one. And I was actually bad because when I bought my lawnmower at Sears... They said, oh, the Craftsman doesn't have the lifetime warranty anymore. I'm like, well, then why the fuck am I buying Craftsman? So I was actually kind of pissed. Stopped buying their stuff for years. My Craftsman wrenches that I got for Christmas have a lifetime warranty on them again. Nice. Craftsman has started to re-honor lifetime warranties on certain things. So I'm not saying it's all of their stuff yet, but I may be going back to buying Craftsman for most of the stuff also because, well, black and red is my favorite color scheme, and that's their color scheme for everything now is black Craftsman's and red. Craftsman's so. owned by Lowe's now, I think, though. It's not owned Maybe by... I is think that what it is? they sold it off when Sears and Kmart were shutting right. down. So I think that's when the yeah. change back might've occurred. Yeah. My wrenches say, you know, they have a, a lifetime warranty on them. And then, yeah, also, I mean, I talked to the guys about before, but yeah, the on air flashing sign was also one of my uh, Christmas gifts from Jana. So I now have a flashing RCA sign sitting, you know, currently over my shoulder. Oh yeah. Trying to do both hands on my screen. It's really confusing. <laughs> but yeah. I have a flashing RCA, and it's awesome because, yeah, I actually have a remote for it, so I can turn it off and on. It flashes. You can change the speed. You can change the intensity. But, yeah, it will probably actually eventually go above the doorway from the kitchen so that when I come in here to podcast, I can actually hit the button here, and she'll be able to see that I'm podcasting. So it'll it'll be nice. It'll actually work like a studio light that actually works to say, hey, I'm on the air. Yeah. Yeah, I, I made out like a bandit. I'm a lucky boy. I got <laughs> I got a great woman that gets me all the all the good gifts, and you know wants to see me make stuff. So yeah, there you go. We're gonna be, this this year is gonna be about artwork and making stuff. I got a I got a railing to do in the in for the house because I'm gonna re I'm gonna sand it and then stain it with a new color to change the railing in our house. We want it darker, and then I have a project plan where I'm going to make ten med kits from a DVD in a real life. I found um some cheap metal. Uh, lunch boxes on Amazon and some fairly cheap uh, actual first aid kits. And so I'm going to do a version that's like just a cheap empty lunch box, but it'll be painted to look like the med kits in DVD and another version that will be like the upgraded Ranger kits in the game. And I'm actually going to do those in purple and then actually put a med kit in them. So if you order one from what will be on my Etsy store, eventually you will actually get a first aid kit in a med in a, you know, in a metal toolbox or a metal lunch box which will look, you know, basically just like what you get in DVD when you're playing the game. And yeah, since the ones that they sell on the website are stickers, I think it's, I think people will like ones that are done with actual spray paint and like actually created by hand. So I think I'll be able to sell a couple of those. I'm planning on making 10 this year. I wager that you will. That being said, we'll see how it goes. We have gone super late (laughs) because I look at my time now. I see it's 1.40 Eastern time. So (laughs) we are, we're good. Uh, We are going to shut things down. Anyone who hung in there with us through the entire episode, thank you so much for doing it. A friendly reminder, we stream live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central over at www.geeks.live. That is the official streaming home of the Gunna Geek Network. Before we shut things down, any final thoughts you wanted to share with the people? 
Uh, I completed my 60 book reading challenge. I think I ended up with like 68 for last year, nice. including, and I've already started, I got one book on there for this year because I read like the last hundred pages of Why the Last Man book five on January 1st. So I'm one book in, I'm doing 60 books again on the Goodreads challenge. I, I love it because Goodreads is just a good way to keep track of the books you're reading and you set a challenge for yourself. You can change the number at any time you want. You read four books in a year, read a hundred books in a year, whatever. It just kind of reminds you to read. So I kind of like it keep track of you know, and it keeps track of every book I've read. So when you've read a couple thousand, it's a good thing to try to remember. It's like, wait, have I read that? And go look on my Goodreads. It's like, oh yeah, I read that like 10 years ago. <laughs> well, there you go. On that note, we are going to shut things down. Please come join us next week for more of our horse shit shenanigans, lols in general, distaste towards society. I don't know. We'll see you guys then. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this brand new episode of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast. Don't forget, we'll be back next Sunday live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, over at live.atgnpodcast.com, channel 3 of the Alpha Geek radio app, and over at our network home at gunnageek.com slash live. If you have any feedback for the show, please contact us atgnpodcast at gunnageek.com on our hotline number at 304-806-ATGN, or even better, go to Twitter and send us a message at ATGN Podcast. The music you've heard in this show is produced by Kevin McLeod and can be found at incompetech.com.